Suicide Squad Life Service game? Callisto Protocol disappoints everyone. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I am your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me this week is still Chris the Bruce Canoe because no one bothered to update us with what Bruce Canoe meant. So, Chris, I hate to tell you this. You will be the Bruce Canoe until someone gives me a definition. All right, I'll figure it out. <laughs> it can't be you, though. And if I find oh. out you're hiring people to try and get you... Yeah, you know, somebody just comes out of the woodworks. Oh, new listener, Bruce Canoe is this? I'm gonna be like, nah, I'm suspicious. Yeah, like Sony okay. Fan 69. Yeah, like Sony Fan 69. So <laughs> nice. Anyway, with that in mind, welcome to the show. Chris decided to be a little inflammatory in his opening remarks. <laughs> we'll talk about that here in a little bit when we get to the news uh, this week. Of course, there's not a lot going on. We're still in that kind of slow time at the beginning of the year. So we kind of thought we will go over the news that we have, uh, some stuff going on with Callisto Protocol, as we kind of mentioned, uh, some rumors that hit uh, earlier today uh, going on, or an image, rather, that was apparently a leak from Suicide Squad, uh, depicting it as a live service game and what that may mean for how people will receive it, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff and some fun questions. But because it's a little bit of a different episode and there's not as much going on, Chris and I kind of decided to let this be a episode primarily led by community interaction. So we'll, of course, go over the community's take where we reach out and ask you guys uh, to give us your thoughts on a question that we pose at the end of every episode, as well as all the questions we have from you guys. Some of it regarding the news of uh, stuff that happened this week. Some of it just wild questions from the mind of a, a deranged mailman. And you'll know who that is. You know who you are. You know who Brett, you are. Brett wants to lose another argument publicly. Yeah, exactly. Chris wants to lose another argument. Be objectively wrong. Uh, I yep. think the poll in the Discord has proven that the poll in the Discord is right. literally three three. Yes, except someone else <laughs> came in on my team. So you're right. Technically, life reimagined. Mister Porter, one of our patrons, who is normally quiet, he decided to voice up. And uh, throw out a just a wrong, wrong opinion. Yeah. I thought you were better than that, Porter. Your take was so <laughs> abhorrent. You it even agreed with me at one point, technically. Like a si- no, I no. I go no. back and cut the video. I will. You sh- but guess you what, Chris? That's a subject for another time. Okay. Is it? Right now, the idea of this show is to welcome everybody, mm-hmm. new listeners or not. If you're new and you're listening to us on podcast services, but you're more of a watch a podcast kind of person, you can find us on YouTube in video format. If you're listening to the podcast, or if you're watching and you'd rather be listening, there you go. You can find us on podcast services. Either way, welcome. Uh, Thank you for everyone who's returned to the podcast yet again. And for anyone new, we hope you enjoy the show. Chris, as you know, the way that we start this show is a time-honored tradition at this point of checking in with each other on what we've been playing, as well as getting, giving the uh, audience a chance to find out what we've been playing and hopefully let them discover or ourselves discover some great thing like Let's Make a Zoo being on my list now because of last week's episode. Uh, <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, as always, I will start with you. What have you been playing this week? Uh, what have you been up to? And have you added any trophies and or platinums to your Oof. score for the trophy competition, good sir. Um, I have still not added any more platinums outside of Pinball Heroes. 
Um, I'm ironically, as the man who started the thing, doing the absolute worst out of everyone. Uh, <laughs> but no, this week I've still been only playing Let's Build a Zoo. And I've played a little bit of Chivalry 2 with you. Uh, but it's mostly Let's Build a Zoo. You and you and Blake, the specter of Pope's Blake. Yeah, I decided to look through the rest of the trophies after we talked last night for Chivalry 2. Mm-hmm. It's like, like 2,000 kills and like 300 wins across five maps. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It's a lot, it's a lot of games. But it's not, it doesn't seem that bad. If you like, like the game, it seems easy. It's just a matter of like, do you actually like it enough to do it? I think if we really set this up to where we do this a few times a week, we could probably have this platinum by the end of the year. Oh, I would, I would think so. Yeah. It's just, do we want to do that? That's the real yes. question. You know, it's because like I'm not going to do it without people to do it with. So, hey, if you want to play Chivalry 2, reach out to us and let us know. Me, Blake, and Chris right now are playing. But if you want to be part of that, uh, that list, feel free to join in. It's a game that can have quite large party sizes due to the way that it plays out. <laughs> Those battle cries are insanity. All right, man. So you, you think you're going to go for platinum on Let's Build a Zoo? Or does it have a platinum? I think I asked that last platinum. week. I just can't remember. Okay. It does. Um, I want it. There's just there's one trophy that's a really big grind. And I'm working towards it, but I'm already annoyed. And I'm not even like halfway there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, have you spent any time going back through uh, your list of games you've played in the past mm-hmm. and seeing how much you're missing or how much the total trophy value is for games that you don't have many in? Um, I mean, I have actually a spreadsheet of every game I've played with the platinum percentage and the time to platinum there. So I already have that information at my fingertips. Um, mm. but in, the, in the true trophy score for it? Not the true trophy score because I did this a while ago. Or I was just. I, say, I thought you've a, had that one for a while. Yeah, I have not. I have not added true trophy score, but I do have a list of games I'm planning on playing, um, like Metal Medal of Honor Frontline, um, Catherine. I I'm debating going for DMC five, but I don't know if I'll ever be good enough at DMC five. <laughs> Yeah, it's a hard platinum. I remember kind of tinkering with it or tinkering with the thought of it while I was playing it. And then I started looking and trying a little bit of it. And I became readily apparent that as much as I like that game, you'd be playing that game for a while. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it'd mean, be it's, like some days would just be practice. Yeah. It was literally, there's literally, you have to beat the game on the hardest difficulty without dying to get the best score. So. Hmm. We'll see. It's it's not even that many points, which is the part where I'm like, I want this platinum, but do I really want to commit to, for, to getting this four thousand point game? It's almost five thousand, but do I really want to commit yeah. to this? Do I really? But well, yeah, I that's have, on my uh, list. <clears throat> Judgment, Yakuza, Kiwami. That reminds me, you talk about the challenge for that one. That kind of challenge where you have to go through the whole game on the hardest difficulty without dying, that just makes me think of the um, Mortal Shell Platinum because that's yeah. exactly it, – it's like a super – like when you do it, you feel great. You're like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm ready to do this. Speaking of which, I thought about going for it again because it's still – the PS5 version is a 3,700-point trophy list, which is There's no auto-pop on that? 
No, <laughs> no, there's not. Which is fine, and I don't mind. But uh, the thing about auto pop is it inherently lessens the value of the trophy to some degree. Yeah, or at least there's a pretty high chance that the the true trophy value will be lesser because everyone who has the PS4 pl- Platinum can ostensibly have the PS5 one, whether they've done it yet or not. That's the other weird thing about this is racing against the clock to get a score while it's high, and because it could go, it could always go down or up. Yeah, you just have to make the right call on the game. Yeah, there's a couple of games I regret, like a Hot Wheels uh, Unleashed was really surprising at like 3,700 points. Uh, but, you know, what am I going to do about that? Can't do anything about it now. Uh, speaking of that, I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a spreadsheet, but I did sit today and look at some of the games that I have or I have access to or I've been curious about and haven't pulled the trigger on yet that I want to play and ideally platinum that seem reasonable. Mm-hmm. I just went through and quickly Google trophy got to see what the average difficulty was, you know, and yeah. the time to platinum didn't look past that. Uh, so I've got 10 games currently that I feel pretty Ooh. good about being able to play in platinum within the next, you know, within the, like, the first three months of the year. And I've caught up a good bit yesterday after having no points, essentially, since the <laughs> thing had begun. And I earned like 9,700 points yesterday, mostly by means of uh, auto popping with trophies. Ooh, this guy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you didn't put that in the rules. So here we I are. I didn't. No, it's uh, fine. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting to see how that plays out because I didn't realize Biomutant was still a fairly rare Platinum, and it's even more rare on PS5 than it is on PS4. And while it wasn't a complete auto-pop, I had to play about an hour over the game. It wasn't that bad. And then Bugsnacks is one of the few games that re- works in reverse. So I okay. Platinumed and played the PS5 version originally, but you can still transfer your save. And it's not an auto-pop, but you've got to play about an hour of the game. So I get to rebeat the ending again and then go through and hit one of an item or do a couple of things uh, for the trophy completely over again on a few trophies. But other than that, trigger it. Gotcha. Yeah, I was able to I was able to pull it off. And some of them you just have to redo again, like scanning a grump after you've you know splatted them with cheese. (laughs) Sure. Scanning the 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 snack squatch. Bunch of stuff. Nice. So a few of those, but Man, that was a really good highlight of going back because you've done this, but I don't think I have. I don't think I've gone back to PS4 to play a game mm-hmm. that I played on PS5 first. And going back to Bucksnacks, a game that had virtually, I'm not going to say virtually, I had zero load screens on PlayStation 5. Uh, it's hard. The amount of loading and how long the load screens are on PS4 really makes you appreciate the PlayStation 5. Yeah. So, um. I'd be curious to see you go back to Miles Morales at some point because I think I said it to you. I when I played the PS4 version, I you could have told me that was the PS5 version. I wouldn't have noticed, <laughs> even from a load standpoint, because that would be like yeah. the thing that's usually the giveaway. Which uh, you know, Ghost of Tsushima. That's a game that's got a PS5 version with a director's cut, and that game already had crazy fast loading like three seconds i I feel like i I could be slightly off but it was like three to five seconds for loading on ps4 which was before the ps5 ever came out and it felt like this is unusual that this game loads this quick you can hit fast travel somewhere and you're there like you see it doesn't even show like a loading screen so much as it just kind of 
quickly shows a little symbol and then flashes back into the game. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, so I bet it's probably better on PS5, but it's not leaps and bounds like some, no. you know? Yeah. I mean, hey, could be like me playing PS game, PS3 games more often than PS5 games right now. And uh, <laughs> yeah, those are some load times, my dude. Yeah, I, I'm excited for Naughty Bear, which came in, so we can start doing that whenever you're ready. Hell yeah. But at the same time, the entire time I'm thinking about it, I'm like, my memory of Naughty Bear is not dealing with the fact that when I played it and enjoyed it, load screens were the norm. <laughs> so it's fine. Yes. But man, yeah, it, it's pretty rough. Um, PS3 specifically had some pretty heinous load times. Yeah. I, I did forget a game. I have been playing my 2023 game of the year that I haven't even played yet, which is One Piece Odyssey. I played, <laughs> I played through about an hour, hour and a half, and if anyone's looking for updates, don't think I can play that game right now. <laughs> I am not nearly far enough in the in the story. So like, there's like ten characters in the game, and I've met three of them in the books. So I might just have to put it down and, and wait or just power through it. But I like the so characters. So that you don't ruin your manga piece. experience? Exactly. <laughs> it's not I even gotcha. the ruining thing. It's just like, we're like, oh, I don't know this character, which means I also don't know the relationships. And I don't understand why there's this gigantic titted witch on the thing. So it's it's something I might just have to wait and see what happens. But I love the game. I think it's really fun to play. It's a really cool JRPG, but I'm debating between waiting and just going for it. Feel you. I feel you. Yeah. All right. Well, I've been still um, playing Need for Speed Unbound. Close oh, to being yeah, beaten. my bad. Oh, you're fine. That's all right. If you had more, can please no, 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 and give no, these no. people what they want. No. I don't know that they want this, but we do it anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been playing Need for Speed Unbound. I am uh, nearing the end of The Grand, which I'm assuming is the end of the game. It doesn't make sense for it to be anything else. So I can finally start cleaning up trophies on that. It's got a fairly high trophy um, score, thankfully. <laughs> um, I think it's at like 3,500, which is Ooh. not bad at all. Hell yeah. And yeah, it's 3,200. Not bad at all. Pretty good list. Um but yeah, I've been playing that, nearing the end of that, having a good time. But there's a few things that kind of creep up in about the design language, and I'm, it's probably true of Heat, too. But I'm to the point where I don't need money for anything. Like, I've got all the cars that I want, one of each class, decked out how I want, and pretty much perfected where it's as quick as possible. But that means that the way this game's set up, where you have to work through the morning and the nighttime of every calendar day up till Saturday, when the grand is... You end up in this thing where you have to do five days and five nights, and you have to do at least one activity per day or night in order to be able to come back to the garage and progress the next day. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I've got like one day. I think I'm on Friday right now. Uh, so one day until the grand. And I'm just kind of like, I'm just going to go find whatever it is that I can knock out quickly and get back in so I can just finish up the game and start playing free of the day, you know, calendar day expectations of the game. But it's pretty good. Uh, Shivor 2. Fun, good time. Uh, Bug Snacks, Platt, like I mentioned, Biomutant Platt. Uh, those are about the only games I played. I mean, I got the Destiny 2 Auto Pop for PS4. Nice. Um, Tribes of Midgard, I tried auto popping because it's a server side game. And if I would have done it earlier, but it wouldn't have been in the competition, it would have been worth, I would have been able to actually get the Platinum from Auto Pop. Instead, 
terms of Midgard, I will still need to play enough to get back to max season rank. And since season's reset, I would have to start from level one of the season and work my way up. Oof. Which I might do because Tribes is really fun Dude. and I wanted to get back to it at the new season. Yeah. Really fun to me, Chris. I'm aware. I, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's it's definitely a game. Yeah, it's a game with gameplay and graphics. And <laughs> now you know what? I don't care because I've had a few people who have been really liking the games I suggested. So uh, the Lord Corgi is playing on the Conan server that I have and enjoying it. Conan's good. And that's enough sure. to warm my warm my heart. It's a good game. I like it. The cockles of your heart. It is, yes. Mm-hmm. The cuckolds <laughs> of my heart. Whoa. Um, anyway, That's uh, with that crazy. being said, apparently we're creating a uh, <laughs> a running thing of Velvet Thunder introducing questions that I think are fun to do pretty early on in the show. So before we get to Communities Take Question, we're going to do that question. But Chris, what do you have? Yeah, Is I want um? to quick, yeah, because I think it's the right. We were talking a lot about the trophy competition. So I'm thinking of adding a couple things towards the end of the year of some community votes. Stuff like most impressive platinum trophy. Things like that to maybe add some points to people's totals. But we didn't talk about it before the thing. I came up with it yesterday. I was thinking about Dumbledore giving out a bunch of points at the end of uh, Sorcerer's Stone just so that Gryffindor would win. And I think that might be... (laughs) That might be kind of fun. So if anyone, if if that's something people want to add to the ending here, you know, that would be cool. Kind of incentivize people to go for something like, I don't know, DMC5. And I think that would be a cool like community vote, have that kind of discussion towards the end of the year. But um, yeah, just post in Trophy Talk if you guys are interested. Tag me. Let me know what you guys think. Anyway, Velvet Thunder says... Okay, so community voted points. I think that's a good idea if everybody doesn't vote for themselves on everything. <laughs> With that in Fair. mind, yeah, uh, the Velvet Thunder, he says, if you had, and he's a patron, in case I didn't make that clear. Thank you. Appreciate it. He says, if you had to share an apartment with a video game character for a year, who would you pick? Take into account occupation and earnings for rent, a personality compatible with your own, general cleanliness, and who their friends are for possible dinner parties. Ooh. It's a big question to throw out. I know you may need a second to think because I, I, I mean, I've put this in here and I've still not landed on an exact, but I think I have one that I'm cool with. It may not be my ultimate answer, but it's one that I, I'm comfortable with and I think checks out in a lot of ways. I think Agent 47 from Hitman. And the reason being, oh, he's very boy. clean. Okay. Right? He has uh-huh. to be. And every time I've ever played a game, he has to clean up after himself, make sure he leaves no traces of himself behind, which I think would bring itself into the home. You know, he, he has to be that way out there, so he can't run the risk of not doing it at home. Otherwise, he gets sloppy, and then yeah. he may get caught. You know, yeah? habit-forming. So there's that. He kind of strikes me as a loner from every game that you see. Like, he has very few people he interacts with. Uh-huh. So even if he's in the house, I don't really have to worry about interacting with him much. This assumes that I know this is his profession, which I guess in this case I do. (laughs) So I'm cool. Um, So I don't know. I just think a lot of the things are dealt with. He clearly makes a shit ton of money because, of course, he does. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? I don't really have to worry about his personality because we're not going to interact very often. He's clean. 
And he didn't really have any friends that I have to worry about for dinner parties. Bam. I've solved I've solved the question. Part of me wanted to say Crash Bandicoot just because I would like to have all the Crash Bandicoot people over for a dinner party, but every other aspect of Crash seems terrible. Like yeah. trying to sleep okay. in the middle of the night just hold a wall. You'd be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Nothing like a 3 a.m. hoot of a guy? <laughs> every time every time he's trying to get on the toilet it's wah 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 <laughs> hey, hey, every time he tries to go grab like your fruit that y'all buy out of the yeah. out of the thing like he spins it away and he's like oh <laughs> he, he can't talk he's nonverbal. <laughs> yeah that's a good I one I guess Coco actually. Coco has to be there to translate for him <laughs> it would be fun for like three hours and then you would be like what the fuck have I got myself into yeah. also how does he earn money would I just be covering his ass for rent? Maybe. Or would he try to pay me in Wumpa? No, you'd just see him in alleyways, just bra- just spinning around, breaking cardboard boxes, hoping for some coins to pop out. Now, maybe Mario's a good fit for this, for being Mario's honest a for great a second. Fit. He gets gold coins. Yeah. Gold coins have got to be worth some bank. True, true. I would say so. You know? I mean, definitely uh, about what fourteen, fourteen hundred bucks an ounce. Like, yeah, you're you're making bank. I mean, Easy. why not? You know, I have to assume that I don't know if he's clean, but like, if your plumbing starts to mess up, you got an on hands plumber. Yeah, and then I wouldn't that's, have to crawl into the fucking house. That's, that's actually that. not. I don't a bad want to point. do it anymore. Yeah, you know, you go. It's a, it's 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 a clogged. It's pipe. a you, Mario. Oh, go, go get that fixed. <laughs> um, hmm. So I think I have like two. First of all, Hitman Forty Seven is an insane choice because that man's. <laughs> it's a super insane choice, and yet I stand by it. It's <laughs> Death Stranding has the most realistic bathroom level insane, but. Oh, Blake, the game you were thinking about was Prey. Anyway, um, I think my picks, one of my picks, I have two picks, because one of them is potentially creepy. Part of me hopes that one of yours right now is the cousin from Grand Theft Auto 4, who's always (laughs) like, you want to go bowling, cousin? Nico, let's go bowling. But then there's problems because you have to understand whether or not he's paying for bowling every time he asks or if he's assuming that Nico, being the crime lord that he is, <laughs> doing all these criminal things, is going to cover his ass when he gets to the bowling alley. I got to know a little bit more about this cousin, you know? Yeah. I, we need to, to deep dive into the cousin. Would you just get tired of bowling every Wednesday? He's like, you want to go bowling? I'm fucking sick of it. I'm sick <laughs> of it, Okay. <laughs> I mean, I bowl. I bowl in leagues, so no, I would not get sick I mean, of it. Bowling, bowling fun, once a week. I love bowling. I'm a great bowler. But it's not once a week. It's like every three hours you're trying to work. And he's calling you up. Hey, roommate, do you want to go bowling? <laughs> it's like Fucking I'm trying. Stop. <laughs> I'm killing the New Jersey mob. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> so my creep, potentially creepy answer is Joker from Persona Five. I guess because it's a guy, it's less creepy. Because I was thinking of the group as a whole. And a bunch of 16-year-old girls living with me is a little weird. But I actually don't know how okay. old they are. I'm assuming 16 because they're still in high school. That that age. But joke, it's e- easy, right? Joker has unlimited money because he kills demons. He kills demons, so I wouldn't have to worry about the house being haunted. 
Hold on. He, he, how does he earn money for killing demons? He just does. Clearly, I haven't played the, the game. I'm just, yeah. I mean, you should it's just play like the that goddamn thing where game you kill probably. a demon and it, and you dig in its pockets and you find gold. Probably they don't go too much into that. I don't know the Persona Five lore on how he earns but money from battles, but he does earn money from battles. One of my favorite weird video game things that everyone just accepts and rolls with is that definitely in MMOs that people just have like animals have money on them. Yeah. It's true. And they it's have shit like thing. they have like hats and shit. It's like, why in the fuck would this thing have a sword? Am I assuming that I had a sword stuck in it that visually wasn't represented to me and I killed it and got to pull the sword out? It's funny because now you just got me thinking about chivalry when uh, you fight someone with a sword stuck in their head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the dude who killed me yesterday with a with a ballast, you know, a yeah. crossbow <laughs> stuck in his head. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I think the Persona, the, you know, the Persona guys would be good. The Phantom Thieves. But my other pick was Ezio Auditori. Okay, so what about... Hold on, Chris. <laughs> I'm crazy for Agent 47, but you want an equally skilled killer? And like, that's that's what he does. Well, hold on, job. because Ezio is not emotionless like 47 is. So you piss I off mean, 47. Fair. fair. You piss off 47, and he just kills you in a chicken suit. Maybe. You, you, you piss off Ezio, you get into a fight... Maybe he beats. You think your he's ass. emotionless? Because if he's doing a chicken suit, he has co- he has comic, like he has comedy. He understands no, comedy. He but humor. he's only in the chicken suit because the guy selling chicken at the party can get access to the kitchen, which is where you poison the food. It's but this is entirely, our kitchen. You don't think I would see him in a chicken suit and be like, "Bro, I, I know what's up." Maybe he just came back from a mish. Okay, I figured it out. It's not going to be that our personalities are compatible. It's that going. It's going to be that I will work as his bridge with the normal world. Where when he comes home from work and he tries to act like he does at work at home, then I have to like talk him through it, and I will be like a pseudo therapist for him, where we just talk shit out. I'm like, hey, that's, that's not a healthy center. way to do things. <laughs> yeah, like I'm like, he tries to he, he tries to put the chicken suit on, go in the kitchen. I'm like, bro, I know what you're doing. And then he has yeah. to have to confront him and he has to confront his feelings. <laughs> and we learn how to communicate. Right. And we become a better household. Wow, this is this is beautiful. Um yeah, so Ezio has a lot of powerful friends. Leonardo da Vinci would come over for dinner. Um so that would be kind of cool. Here I'm gonna give you two more quick ones. Um Pokemon Trainer. Because unlimited housework gets done. M- machops, you sure you don't want to say uh, Vaporeon? I do not. Although, he might have a Vaporeon. And then the last one is... <laughs> Hidden benefits. <laughs> yeah. The last one would be Jacob from the Callisto Protocol. Because the man's in prison and won't be at the house. <laughs> <laughs> but how is he paying you? <laughs> Who cares? It seems like I I have to have a roommate. I'm just going to assume he paid his rent in full. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like that. I think we got some good picks in there. Somehow in this, I don't know why it just crossed my mind, but you thinking about Jacob, I guess I kind of get how my brain got there. Thinking about Jacob and the fact that he has all these monsters around him made me think of a sitcom where it's like 
a normal person living with a clicker from The Last of Us, and that's like the <laughs> shtick of the show. Yeah, and it's like every time the clicker does something that hurts somebody, like he bites the mailman, and then you have like you as the roommates, just like, oh, you, <laughs> you know. And it's just like one like of those shoot the 80s guys laugh head, tracks. Like, da, da, da. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would be into that that sitcom. That seems almost like a weird robot chicken sketch. You know what so, that show hey, would Seth be called? Green, if you watch this show, I don't know why you would, but if you do, you can take that idea. Credit me. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll revel in that. What's up, Chris? What would it be called? Um, we click. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. There'd be like an old dude who's blind and can't see, and he'd always be like, "Where's the clicker?" And you think he thinks he's talking about a TV remote, but you know, yeah. And then eventually, head, the yeah, clicker like, learns to communicate. <laughs> yeah. Good God! Oh, hold on, are we doing the same thing I'm doing with Agent Forty Seven here? We're gonna force, we're gonna force the the clicker to uh, be emotional again and have to rationalize its thoughts. Listen, clicker. Can I call you Click for short? Yeah. <laughs> The ending of the it's just you're hurting everyone, you're hurting your people that love you, (laughs) right? We just want you to be better. (laughs) Says you're letting the fungus win, man. It's just the end of uh, I know it's called the cordyceps, but you don't have to cord accept that this is who you are. (laughs) I hate that, and that would be a line 100%. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Okay, moving along. Uh, that was a fun one, though. Uh, yes, community stake for, for last week. Uh, as we were looking at the New Year's and how people often come in and think about uh, the year past them and how they're going to use information to have a better year ahead of them, fun one was games often teach us lessons that we can keep with us and use throughout our day-to-day life. What is one lesson you feel you've learned from a game? First of all, throwing this out there, if you want to be part of this, we post this on our social media. So you can go over to Twitter at TriangleSQRD and find us. You can click the link in the description below for our Discord. Be entered in there. We have a dedicated channel for the community stake where you can answer once we ask. Um, and there is, of course, podcast open discussion. So anything you want to talk about about the entire episode, feel free to go do so. Um, and then lastly, you can find us on Facebook in the group Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Uh, we get... A bunch of answers. Sometimes we get more than are reasonable to read on the show. So we choose roughly four to five usually. Uh, and we always give our patrons who went over to patreon.com slash nartech and gave as little as a dollar per month. We give them preferred reading, but we also like to rotate them through and get some either different takes or hear from some people that we don't always hear from. So with that in mind, there are some newer people today. Our first one comes from a new patron. My man, I know him. He's, he's one of my homies in real life. Uh, B Edwards 530, as he is in the Discord, but he likes to be called Teddy B. Uh, he's a new patron. He went over there and hit down $5 a month. Teddy B, I won't say your full name just in case you're worried about it. Thank you, homie. Uh, he says, sometimes you have to choose violence, laugh out loud. And then he says, need for speed, unbound cops. Uh, and it's true. Me and him had a conversation about a week and a half ago uh, where... I was talking about how crazy because he had listened to the episode and called me about it. Uh, and we were talking about how would you get to high heat levels and you just want to try and be avoided. That sometimes the best bet, and it really is the case, 
you just have to go really fast and ram into the police before they can completely scan you and it will take them down and that's your best bet around them uh so sometimes you do have to choose violence brandon thank you for that uh savoy prime another patron he says red dead redemption you can't escape your past there's no reason to go any further into that and i would even argue that uh in some ways, Red Dead Redemption 2 is uh, the same lesson from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's a good that's one. That's the way it is. We have a more involved one here, Life Reimagined. Uh, he says, it's another one of our patrons, to enjoy life while you can. Time is finite. So escaping for a few hours into a game's world or enjoying the world around you is important. Games give you the ability to enjoy things you would not otherwise have the chance to do, but also encourage you to do the things that you can. That's a really good answer. I like it. Uh, I'm going to save this other one for last because I think it lines up pretty well with mine. So Sweet Gran Turismo, uh, Sweet Gran Turismo Jones, longtime friend and listener of the show. He says, easily money management. From the original Gran Turismo to Grand Theft Auto 3, games with econo- uh, economies certainly taught me how to save, spend money, to make money, deferral of instant gratification, etc. Uh, also, that people are assholes when they have no repercussions, i.e. online multiplayer. <laughs> Facts. I, it's weird. I agree. Definitely. Okay, so the first part of that, right? Money management. Um, I think it's a double-edged sword. I think that that's a, how receptive are you to thinking about a lesson that something can be giving you? Because while... I can see why someone would play these games and be like, oh, I have to manage money to get real enjoyment out of them. There are people that play these games and blow their money, and then I think they carry that with them into real life and blow all their money in real life, unfortunately. Um, What do you think about that, Chris? I mean, I think it's a great answer. I don't know. I guess I've never felt, at least in GTA especially, that it's called out, that I needed to manage my money in it. But I do get the sentiment, right? Like, especially in games like let's build a zoo right now. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I want to upgrade my park or if I want to build some more decorations. So I, I, I get the point. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other one is it's I'm kind of going on the flip side for both of them, but yeah, of course people are assholes or a lot of people are assholes with no repercussions online. Uh, but there's, it depends on the game you're playing, but there's something magical Ryan, about the flip side of that, right? When you're online and there's no reason for anyone to be nice either. There's no reason to be mean or nice realistically. And there's no reward and or repercussion for either in many ways. And there's something that's magical about hitting into a game, be it an MMO, a lot, you know, it's playing an MMO and getting somebody, a group of people who are really nice or finding a really nice lobby in like a Call of Duty game or something like that to where everybody's just kind of getting along, vibing with each other and having a good time. I feel like a lot of people treat it as it's more rare these days and maybe it is more rare, but I think that there's still something about those moments that is the magic of online gaming at the same time. You know, I've, I've met a mm-hmm. lot of really cool people and had a lot of really interesting friendships uh, through online games. I used to play Silk Road online with this girl, uh, Destiny, and we would just set up shop sell our stuff, which is one of the ways that game worked. You had to be logged in to sell stuff. You would set down a stall, put the items you wanted to sell in and just stay logged in at the stall. People would come around and look 
and buy ourselves stuff. And typically at the any time that we'd end that, we would just go buy each other something that we knew was right for our class or that the other person could use uh, or would like and just trade it to each other. And it was really cool. I liked playing with her. She was really fun. Uh, I, I actually oh, often yeah. think like, I I wish I could get on there and who knows if she's even still playing. The game is still around, but it would be great to be able to message her and just hope that she's doing well and check in on her because I've met a lot of great people uh, through RuneScape as well, doing similar yeah. things. Yeah, I, Chris, you're more of a you, you're much of an MMO guy. I feel like I can't think of any time where you really talked about playing very many MMOs. I haven't like played hours upon hours like most people, but I played a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen on PC. I played a lot of uh, shit. What's the other one? Lost Ark, I think it was. New World, Lost Ark, one of those two. Um, oh, the Amazon not a one, right? Yeah, I think it was Lost. Wait, Ark. Lost Ark. You I played Lost Ark. Yeah, you didn't I play. Think, New yeah. World. you played Lost Ark. Gotcha. I remember yep. seeing it on your Discord and thinking it was an odd thing to see for you. Yes, Lost Ark. Forty-four hours played. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah but it's way more than I, I know there's people that are like, these are rookie numbers for MMOs. Right. You know, I can only imagine that people like Velvet Thunder and Kiki and Josh have hundreds, if not thousands of hours into Final Fantasy fourteen. Hey, man, meet me at Apex and we can talk. <laughs> I don't even want to guess how many hours I've spent on RuneScape in my life. It's a genuinely, I can't. It seems like a number that would be so stupidly large that I would be ashamed, but also proud it's, all at the same time. Yeah. It's an unknowable thing. It's like, I don't ever want to know the monetary value of my PSN account. Like, I don't ever want to know that. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I think you would be like, I regret at least a quarter of those purchases. Way more if than not a quarter. much more. I could cut it down to like 75% and probably not notice. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. It's bad. It's okay, Chris, because I think you have a couple of the games that are on my list. Like, you bought Death's Door, didn't you? Yeah. Okay, yep. sweet. I don't have to buy it. <laughs> No, you don't. Thanks, man. I have it. No, but it saves the world. Didn't have to buy it. I didn't have to buy it. Yep. I should see about going back to that. Apparently, I didn't platinum uh, Guacamelee 2, I realized, as I was going through my list. And I really thought I had. Really? But I also kind of thought back to playing it. And I feel like I remember not liking it as much as the first game. Yeah. So I didn't like I the did. first one enough to finish <laughs> it, even though I got pretty really? far. Yeah, it was fine. It just wasn't like... I'm not drawn to go back. No, it's rough. I really love the first game. Severed is still probably my favorite game from Drinkbox. It's just a really interesting game that is unlike most games that you find. Like Guacamelee is great, but it's just pretty much a Metroidvania. I mean, it's really not that different. It's, I mean, it's got cool things about it, but I feel like Severed's a very odd type of game that you don't see very often. I'm not going to say there's nothing like it, uh, but it's far more seldom that you see a, a competent game of its style, whereas there are a ton of competent Metroidvanias, thankfully. <laughs> the, the return to the Metroidvania really started happening like 2014, 2015. Um, so that's pretty good times. Uh, the last one that we have here comes from Yuna, another newer listener. She says, I think... This can apply, or they say, I think this can apply to any JRPG, but friends are there when you need them, and trying to bottle up anything and put it all on yourself can get you nowhere. That is probably, I think the first time I really thought about a game and how it could apply to life, and this is time to get oddly sappy, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 1, uh, not the first time I played it, 
But the second time I played it, whenever I could actually beat it, because the first time I played it, we rented it from Blockbuster, loved it, but I got stuck in the Tarzan world. Um, it was either Tarzan or it actually might have been Alice, but it was one of those two, and we couldn't get past it. Me and my brother, we were both pretty young. And I was seven, if I recall. And we were trying to do a thing that my dad ended up catching us on where we put another game into the Blockbuster case to have him take back so we could keep Kingdom Hearts, which clearly did not go over well. <laughs> uh, but I played it about two or three years later, right before Kingdom Hearts 2 came out. And I think it kind of really changed the way that I looked at friendships uh, in general, but also friendships as a male. Because I think I have a dad who's... Uh, I don't want to say he's, he's fairly macho, right? He, he's not super in touch with his feelings. He's not as bad as I've seen some people be, uh, but we dealt with some weird stuff growing up. And a lot of that is of course passed down from how he was raised and his grandfather, who was a bit of a hard ass. And so I think seeing Sora and Riku uh, and, and everything Sora was going through for his friends and trying to find them. And the fact that of course he loved Kyrie, but he also loved Riku and his friends. I think it really changed the way that I feel about my ability to be friends with other men and that it's okay to be vulnerable with them because I feel like a lot of men who come from hardened fathers have a disconnect from an ability. And this happens with uh, some women as well. My, my friend's wife uh, was recently talking about how she has a hard time being vulnerable with people because it's always been viewed as a weakness. And uh, I think Kingdom Hearts really showed me that it's okay to be vulnerable and it, it's definitely okay to be vulnerable with people that you've found that are your family as much as they are your friend. So that's part of it. Cause I think of uh, that group being a family and I think that it's clearly meant to be written that way. It's found family. And uh, I'm a big fan of that. You know, I think real family is important in many ways and you can't do much about the fact that they're in your life. Uh, but I think family that you choose to put there is really important and really interesting. So that's mine as well. I like oh, that yeah. one a lot. There was one I didn't put on here, but I want to reference. Um, it was Velvet. He said that he played uh, some game on Dreamcast. I can't remember what it was called, so forgive me. It was, a, it was a little racing game. And he said he played it so often that when they visited London, he was able to make himself like, take himself around London because he played <laughs> that game so much that he remembered it. And it made me think of when we were in high school and uh, one of my favorite racing games of all time, Midnight Club Los Angeles, came out. And it was said, of course, I've been to Los Angeles and haven't really thought about trying to go to the areas where it was around, but it's said that that game was so realistic to what Los Angeles was that if you learned the city in that game, you could go to Los Angeles and navigate your way around. And I always really wanted to check and see if that was true, but I'll never know, I guess. I say that I still play the game a lot again and then go to Los Angeles. Maybe one day if I get filthy rich, you know, flush with cash, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> it's time to start playing the lottery, dog. Speaking of which, man, that brings up, I really miss games that were willing to take a little bit bigger of a chance. Like I'm really enjoying Unbound, but as I told Blake, I don't think it's that different than Heat or Payback. Like in many ways, it's a similar game. Uh, and it's, a little, it's been a little funny to see people being like, oh, Unbound's so good. The last three games or the last two, whatever it be, are not weren't very good. And I'm like, this game is almost identical to the last game. I think you're just kind of hopping on the fact that there was a hate train behind them. Rightfully yeah. so because of Payback's a very odd system. But a game that was racing that was really high quality, really interesting, and I think really tried shaking up the genre was Los Angeles because 
you had the ability to hold the triggers and then flick your analog stick and you could go up and ride on two wheels. I don't know if you've played the game. Uh, but you had like classes. You could have like a heavy vehicle, light vehicles that could take more damage or hit more. You could ride motorcycles, which of course if you got hit would completely fuck you up, but you could be very fast and maneuverable. And then the last thing that was my favorite aspect of the game is that you had a race and it was from point A to point B, but you didn't have checkpoints. All you had to do is get to the end. And I love that because it meant there may have been a very few checkpoints, but I really don't remember there being any. But the idea was that you could just pause the game. There was a representation of every street. You could zoom in on the map and then figure out your path. Or if you <laughs> remember the city well enough, you could figure your path out of how to get there. That would be faster than what you thought the AI would do. And yeah. I just thought that was super unique and interesting. Like all your races were in the open world. There was no way to go the wrong way. Like even now, Need for Speed Unbound, if you get off the track, it's like wrong way. We're going to reset you in a couple seconds. And it's that lowest common denominator thing that kind of holds gaming back. I thought Midnight Club was super interesting for being like, we're just going to trust the player to figure it out and do it the best way possible. It was a great game. I loved it a lot. Yeah, Midnight Club's dope. Or I've always heard it is. I never actually played it. You should. I should try and find it and buy it for you. That works. I mean, you bought me Naughty Bear at this point. (laughs) Sadly, you cannot get the platinum it's like it's worth like 5500 points but the servers are closed yeah it's rest in peace r.i.p in peace yep. <laughs> yeah what's yours man um my i've, I've taken this to heart for a, a long time and it comes from gta san andreas and it is from one of the primary villains so take that for what you will but big smoke says if you can eat your food while everybody's losing theirs and blaming you you straight, homie. And I live my life by that by that quote. <laughs> One more time. If you can eat your food. If you can eat your food while everybody else is losing theirs and blaming you, you're straight, homie. Uh, okay. I got you. Yeah. I love that quote. I love that quote. What is this from? Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, baby. <laughs> Big smoke. I do not remember that. Yeah, it's right after the, uh, I got four number nines, a number nine large, <laughs> a number four, okay. and a Diet Coke. Gotcha. So that that's the my life, the life lesson I learned from a game. If you can be good while everyone else is freaking out, you're good, man. You're straight. You're straight, homie. I've never thought about looking into why that saying came about. Like, you're straight. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> what's the history of that? Should look it up one of these days. Yeah. Break it down from its cultural uh, point of view. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah, it's, it's interesting to learn why things are the way they are, right? Yeah. Like, I'd love to know why Callisto Protocol is disappointing people. Oh. We'll let people know that right after we let them know that if they're listening on podcast services and they like what they hear, they should head over and give us a review if they have a review system or a scoring system. So if you can rate the show, great. Rate it. Let us know how you like it. Let others know how you like it. If you can review, even better. Let us know what you do and don't like about the show. If you're watching on YouTube, like if you like what we're doing here. Subscribe if you want to be made aware of when these episodes go up every Wednesday. You can hit the little bell notification button. We won't be spamming you with daily videos. Uh, It's up to you if you want to do that. Uh, Comment 
on anything that you want to talk about throughout the show. We've been seeing a lot more comments lately. Those are fun. I appreciate everyone who reached out about me and my, my stepfather. Thank you. Um, but to get into the news, the first piece, as Chris has forewarned, is about Callisto Protocol. Uh, it has disappointed its publisher as much as gamers playing it. Ouch, Chris. That was a very <laughs> good editorializing on you. <laughs> According what to I do MK best. Odyssey... The game's budget was about $162 million, and sales have not managed to recoup the cost. The, co- the game has sold 2 million copies so far, but needed to be somewhere closer to 5 million to hit Krafton's lofty goals. According to Samsung Securities, Krafton had expected the Callisto Protocol to sell around 5 million copies. However, quote, considering the current sales ranking... Cumulative sales of 2 million copies will not be easy until this year. Ooh, now, this is interesting because I think if uh, if you listen to our spoiler chats that we did about the Callisto Protocol, I think one of the things that was most often gleaned from the conversations, and I've heard this from other people as well, is that even if there are issues we have with this game, we're all very eager to see it get another chance uh, to juke and swing <laughs> if it gets lucky enough. But this one's pretty interesting. 162 million is probably its budget with marketing combined. And this game did have quite a large marketing um, push for it. But 5 million copies doesn't seem out of this world impossible, but it does seem like very lofty goals. So Chris, what do you make of this? And what do you make of the chances that we do or don't see a sequel from these numbers? You got to wonder if they've been, they put so much money into the first one that they'll give a second chance to another one just to see if they can recoup the money or it'll, you know, it'll do better and sell better and be better. You know, I wonder if they think like, oh, well, what's the point in investing in a different game? We might as well continue this franchise and hope that the team can pull it off. If that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. So that's what that's where I think it'll go for the second one, personally. Well, see, I feel like I understand that. And I'll give the the fact that this game did do ultimately better and was less controversial, though still very controversial in many ways. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I always thought about The Order and a lot of Sony IP that they start with. They have a lot of IP that didn't necessarily blow the the sales you know, stuff off the water and didn't necessarily review incredibly well, but they still gave another swing to. I think Knack was a good example of that. Knack 1, mm-hmm. they still went into Knack 2. And Knack 2 is a much better game and a great game at that. Um, but we didn't see that with like The Order. We didn't see that with some of their other more niche uh, examples of games that they pulled out, some of which I don't know if they had the ability. Like, they did that Dust 514 EVE Online thing. I don't really know how that came about, but it was exclusive. So, uh, while I understand the idea, I think sometimes certain publishers and certain people behind this are just like, we gave enough money initially. If it couldn't show that there's good signs of return, then maybe it's not worth it. That said, I think that uh, the order only sold about 1.5 million. Uh, so if this one's nearing two, because reading the quote, it says cumulative sales of 2 million will not be easy until this year. Sounds like they haven't even quite hit 2 million. Mm-hmm. I was uh, thinking the same. So that's uh, that's interesting. But 
it's all about legs. If the game can stand to continue to sell relatively well and they've been updating it and trying to do better, then who, who knows? The tide can change on any game. But this is not an immediately strong, bold thing. I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other. I wouldn't be surprised if a sequel does get announced or if they decide to move along. But since, as far as I understand, Crafton owns Striking Distance, is that correct? I'm not sure, but I'll find out while you continue. Yeah, I think that they do. So I guess it just comes down to whether or not they want to move forward and let Striking Distance try again on another IP uh, or something new, or like Chris said, try and get one more swing out of this and maybe be a little more pulled back with the uh, marketing since it'll be a known quantity to some degree. It is a subsidiary of Crafton. That is what I thought. Um, I I wonder with this, I mean, Blake, and I think you were, you were there when we were talking about it last night. We were saying like maybe Crafton doesn't want to do or commit all the money, but Sony wants to commit half of it, you know? So maybe Callisto Protocol 2 is a PlayStation exclusive. Not saying that's a possibility or even likely, but if they don't want to make the game, maybe Sony does. They did put a lot of effort into making Striking Distance at the very least look good. So I don't know. It's, it seems possible. Chris, real quick, are you seeing uh, audio waves on your side? Because I'm not seeing yours on my side. Yes, I'm seeing them. Okay, cool. I'll trust that it's going then. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, Sony has been known to do odd deals like that. They did it with Street Fighter. Um, but they did it apparently with Forspoken. Um, that was kind of how that deal got so strongly where it's got two years of exclusivity at the very least and may never go elsewhere. So we'll have to see if that pays off or not as Forspoken comes out pretty soon. But... That one's interesting. So we'll see how that comes out. But I could see Sony taking an opportunity if it really feels like there's one there to partner, get a PR win, and then hopefully get some money back out of the deal. But I don't know. It's a good question. Sony themselves doesn't have any internal horror, right? Yeah, they don't know. Not yet. Who knows? There might be a piece of news that would say they're, they're starting to get one, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. be flying right um, towards that possibility yeah speaking of Forspoken uh, Square Enix came and updated the demo so if you were iffy about it or if you played the demo and had a couple of qualms maybe worth trying it again also the game will have the review embargo lift 24 hours prior to release so better than Callisto <laughs> uh, yes. but still might be cause for concern for some people but at least you have enough time to potentially do something. It probably won't be enough time to cancel a pre-order, but who knows? We'll see. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't be. And maybe you won't have to. Maybe the game will actually pull off pretty well. Uh, next thing up on the list, though, Hogwarts Legacy accompanying, uh, or it's its accompanying art book, has leaked into the wild and given an estimate on how long you'll be stuck in J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. It appears that the story will be about a 35-hour romp. But for trophy hunters, the game will take about 70 hours to reach 100% completion. In more positive news for the title, it has now topped the charts as the best-selling game on Steam and PS5 per Forbes a full month before release. Now, it didn't really go into big detail there. I was trying to understand what it was saying, and I don't know if it's just saying best-selling for the month of February, best-selling for 2023 so far, uh, but it did try and give context to Steam by saying that um, CSGO, if I remember, uh, was there, and it was still above it 
technically in terms of dollar amount, but not total sales. But that's because it's a game that relies on multi uh, or multiplayer, but yeah, uh, microtransactions. So I don't know. All that to say is Hogwarts Legacy may be a very big title to contend with, which I think kind of stands in line with what Chris was talking about. Uh, sometimes you don't realize how strong an IP is until something yeah. like this happens. Yeah, exactly. Though conversely, the what are they called? Mystical beasts. What were they called? The movies Fantastic that have beasts. not done very well. Fantastic, Fantastic beasts. Fantastic yeah. beasts are where to find them. Yeah, they have not been doing well. So I don't know well, how that bad. plays in. But is that are they bad movies? Yeah, exactly. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, Chris, I know this is one of the big games that you're excited for too. So I am. Cannot wait. Thirty five hours. That seems about right for an open world game, right? I'm here for it. That seems like the perfect amount of time. Can't wait to spend 70 in the Wizarding World. Yeah, I was about to say, this seems like an obvious platinum for you. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I want to go do um, Prisoner of Azkaban, or not Prisoner of Azkaban, Deathly Hollows and Half-Blood Prince on PS3. Those games are all right, too. It'll be a year full of Harry Potter platinums for you? Hell yeah. I got the Lego I've Harry Potter I've heard that ones. the Lego Harry Potter games are really fun. Yeah, they are. My old PSN account, I have the Platinum for uh, 1 through 5, I believe. Isn't it 1 through 5, 1 through 4, 5 through 7? You might be right. It's one. It's the first one. So one <laughs> Whichever four. the first one is. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, what do you think about it topping the, the list, though? I mean, do you think that there's... Do you think this is just years and years of waiting? Because the last time we saw a Harry Potter game at all was PS2. Yeah. No, I th- I think it's that Harry but, Potter. Well, is I say mo- game at all. Clearly Lego Harry Potter. But well, you just said you just said they made movie games. I didn't even know that. They did, yeah. Chamber of Secrets on PS2, which I own, by the way. Um Deathly Hollows is on PS5 uh, three. Um Prisoner of I know Prisoner of Azkaban is not, but I think uh, Half Blood Prince is, and I don't know if there's games for the last two. Definitely Hollows. I'm order. Yeah, I said order the Phoenix. I'm an idiot. Hmm. I'm not surprised that they made games for every movie. I guess I just didn't realize I'd never seen them. The last game I can remember seeing is the PS2 Quidditch game. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Um, I want to say Deathly Hollows is supposed to be pretty good. Like, it's just a third-person shooter. <laughs> it's supposed to be pretty sick. Third-person shooter, Harry Potter. Yeah, he's just... I mean, I remember seeing video, and you'll just see Harry holding his wand like this. just... Bop, 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 bop. It's like, oh Fully my. automatic. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fully automatic stupefies. But I think the reality is that um, no matter what you read on the internet, Harry Potter is one of the most popular franchises in the world. So this was always going to do better. It's like I think I said on a show last year when it was before it was delayed, I thought it would outsell Call of Duty. And since 2023 does not have a Modern Warfare game, I'd be willing to bet it will outsell Call of Duty this year. Man, thinking about it, you know, I've always felt like I thought Lord of the Rings was comparable to Harry Potter, but maybe it's not. From, from from a sheer popularity standpoint, maybe it's not because by the same idea, right? If if I was correct and they are fairly comparable in terms of fandom, then you would have imagined that the Middle Earth games, which did really well, Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, they did very well. They're great games. They're great, but 
they did not necessarily blow sales out of the water by any means. You know what I mean? Like they did really great for Lord of the Rings games, which had been kind of slumping down to some degree. There's some really great Lord of the Rings games. Speaking of movie tie-in games, the uh, Lord of the Rings Two Towers PS2 game was amazing as a kid. It was also incredibly hard. Yeah. But I, depending on how well this does, it may very well surprise me. Uh, Nothing else, it'll be proof that even if Lord of the Rings is roughly as big as an IP in terms of interest and fans, maybe not all of those fans game, which would really surprise me. Because if I'm being honest, Lord of the Rings seems like the exact exact thing that people who like D&D and Warhammer and all these different games would like. And those seem like people that would be inclined to play video games. I don't know. My mom's read Lord of the Rings. (laughs) So, I mean, fair. First of all, first off, Harry Potter is the number eight most highest grossing franchise of all time so yeah it'll be i don't know what the the lord of the rings or you know middle earth whatever you want to call it i don't know how big of a franchise it is don't really know how to go about typing that into search (laughs) i don't (laughs) know it's not even it's not on this list it's behind stuff like one piece and one piece is massive i'm actually not surprised oh me neither it's fucking incredible fast it's behind demon slayer Fast and Furious yep. kind of checks out. That's a very Middle, broad... Middle Earth. Um, I don't know the number because it's very far down the list, but it's behind Phantom of the Opera. So <laughs> that should give you wow. some context. It's made $5.8 billion lifetime. It's... <laughs> God, <laughs> this, how much has Harry actually, Potter made? Uh, give me one second. This this is um, the, the three surrounding Lord of the Rings. It's Phantom of the Opera... Right with six point one five billion, Middle Earth five point eight billion, Shrek five point eight billion. <laughs> Shrek is a force to be reckoned with, man. Hell yeah, it is. Harry Potter's made thirty two billion dollars. Holy shit! Okay, that's that's pretty wild. And if we're taking that's context perspective of this for list, one hundred percent, Harry Potter is above Call of Duty by a wide margin. So I would not be surprised. If this is the best selling game of all time. Not of all time, but this year. What if it is of all time? That would be insane. <laughs> you you could sell me on that argument, but I don't think anything can beat Wii Sports. Yeah, Wii Sports is a pretty bad one <laughs> to have to go up against. Yeah, you can't fight Wii Sports. Speaking of Wii Sports, I was okay. looking, thinking back to that list, right? I was looking at Sports Champions, an incredibly fun game that was a pack-in game for pretty much all the PS Move bundles that you could get on PS3. And I thought, that would be a cool platinum to have. And I looked it up, and dude, <laughs> first of all, it's worth like six or 7,000 points, maybe even higher. I, can't, I genuinely can't maybe eight. And it is hard. <laughs> it is really hard. I did not realize that, but it's very difficult to get. And I've played yeah. like 40 or 50 hours of it. Uh but man, uh, I was really surprised. Weird games like that tend to have high ones. Um, Farpoint, the basically the first PSVR first-person shooter that they coupled the aim controller with, is mm-hmm. worth like nine thousand seven hundred points. And Firewall Zero Hour, the best first-person shooter on PSVR, uh, its platinum is worth like ten thousand five hundred. Like its its whole trophy wow. list is ten thousand five hundred. That's crazy. 
Well, Blake has my PSVR now, so enjoy. Good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Go go for it. Get all the VR Platinums. All right, Blake, I have a challenge for you. Get the Skyrim VR Platinum because Uh, Skyrim VR is not good on PSVR. I'm going to throw that out there and just tell you (laughs) what it is. But if you do it, I'll be so proud of you. Play Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. It's a great game. <clears throat> it seems um, highly likely that that one's going to be ported to PSVR 2. So I'll play it there. If not, I'll, yeah. I'll hit up my, uh, my Oculus I would and agree. play it there. I would, I would agree with that. Um, so the highest selling game of all time is Minecraft at 238 million copies. And then Wii Sports has 82.9 million. That? I mean, you assume 15, you assume what, $10? Oh, that game's way higher, but it started lower, so I'll give it that. It, yeah. it started as like a fifteen dollar download card, something like that. Yeah, I mean, if you assume the mean, right, around ten bucks, it'd be two hundred and thirty eight billion dollars around there. <laughs> then you just double that for every ten, so it's really a lot of money. It's trillions. That's rough. Also, smart move on Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, now look at it. Speaking of which, I don't think I don't think I have the PS4 Minecraft Platinum. It's either that or the PS3. Oh. I have the Vita one and either the PS3 or the PS4 one. We could knock that out. Blake's Blake's been pitching it, and I don't want to do it because the last time I started playing Minecraft with Blake, he sold his PS4. So I don't know what, what do I do. You think do I would do that? Or are you I don't worried know. that Blake will sell his PS5? No, because Blake will start playing with, with us because we'll be playing Minecraft, so Blake will play because he wants to platinum. And then the next day we'll be like, oh, you want to jump into our world? You know, blah, 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 we're together. We're like, oh, I sold it for a fucking Wii. <laughs> <laughs> sold it for a Wii and a stick of bubble gum. <laughs> I really wanted to play Mad World, so I sold my PS5. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to play I'll Epic another Mickey. one soon. <laughs> Speaking of which, Epic Sorry, Mickey, Blake. Power of Two, incredibly, it's like eight thousand points for the fucking trophy list. Wait, and what? I own that game. <laughs> Can you even get the platinum? Is it one of those? I don't know. I didn't bother looking, but I was very surprised at the amount. Moving on to the next piece of news for the time being, uh, Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League is apparently going to be a live service title. Which, correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like this is not the first time that this has kind of been talked about and or hinted at. I I would agree with that. But maybe this is the first time that there's an image, rumoredly, that is leaked from the game. I think everyone was just holding out hope it wasn't true. That's all. But I think it was always true. Crazy thing is, is that it may still not be true any longer. But I feel like they basically said it when the games were launched. I mean, if you just finish reading the news and then... Yeah, we'll talk about it. So, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is apparently going to be a live service title. The game's menu surfaced on 4chan and then was corroborated by VGC. It shows a store, battle pass, loadout menu, and emissions list. This hasn't been confirmed by the devs, but has also not been denied. It remains to be seen if this pans out the way we expect, but notably, the only Batman-adjacent title that was confirmed to not be live service with Gotham Knights. And Gotham Knights is an interesting touchstone because... Many people would tell you that that game's general design and a lot of stuff that's in that game seems like little vestigial leftovers of a game that was at one point in time trying to be live service and then maybe pulled back as much as they possibly could once Marvel's Avengers kind of didn't do what anybody thought it was going to do. 
Do you agree with that, Chris? Because I think you've seen some of the Gotham Knight stuff, right? Yeah, I played a little bit of it. Uh, it definitely. My theory about these two games is that WB was like one of you is a live service and one of you is a single player game. Now go make your games. So then they both made live, started making live service games, and then WB made a choice. That's what it seems to me. Of the two, right? We know that Gotham Knights isn't one now, but of mm-hmm. the two, which one, gut feeling wise, from what you know about Gotham Knights and what you, what the little bit we know about Suicide Squad, and of course the high um, hype levels of Rocksteady being involved, which one do you think would have actually made for a better live service game? Suicide Squad, for sure. Yeah. Do you think that's strictly because of the the pedigree of the developer or just the basic idea of the the IP in general? No, it's just the basic idea for me, right? It's kill the Justice League, but do you know how many iterations of the Justice League there are? So it's literally just mission after mission can keep coming in and rolling in. Oh, go kill Blue Beetle. You know what I mean? Like, oh, go kill... Wally West Flash, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many ways that they can just throw a weekly mission. In. Oh, here's a raid. We're fighting Darkseid. Like, it makes the most sense. Whether that makes for a better game is a different question. But in terms of like looking on paper, what you could do with a game surrounding killing superheroes, Gotham Knights makes the, or sorry, Kill the Justice League does make the most sense as a games as a service. I think I agree with you, but at the same time, I think Gotham Knights trying to tamper around with this idea of the Court of Owls, right? Yeah. I think that if they pulled this off right, they very easily could have destinied this up to where they keep going layers and layers deeper as more story comes out and new DLC hits and they could do something bigger and they can dig deeper into what the Court of Owls was. But I think all of that relies on the game that you get at launch, not answering the question, giving you a resolution, something to look forward to that makes you go, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. But then peel mm-hmm. that layer back a little bit more and show me more of the Court of Owls, which are very vague and kind of shadowy uh, organization. So you have a lot of wiggle room, but you still... And the the thing within that, of course, is how much of DC do you want to pull in or do you want to strictly try and stay within Batman's Rogue Gallery, which still gives you a lot to work with, but also not as much as a general Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is great because there's no reason that pretty much every DC character cannot be present and accounted for, right? Exactly. Um, I don't know. I just... Both work, but I don't know that a story-based live service game, at least the way it sounded like you were talking about, would work. Not for me, anyway. Well, I bring that up because Destiny is very story-heavy. Like, very story-heavy. It is, but... Almost to a fault. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You don't have to care about Destiny's story. Like, it's it's a common thing, and we've said it before, to be like, oh, well, hey, uh, the new players can't play Destiny 2 from the beginning, so they can never get the full context. To which I would say, yeah, so? I've played 300 hours of Destiny. I don't know what the hell Savathun is. Well, that's what I mean by to a fault. It, it It's so story heavy that it actually clashes with its general design from a yeah, game aspect. That's where I guess I don't agree with you because I had just as much fun with Destiny as Sean does. I just don't give a shit about the Savathun and the missing Thussy. The Savathussy 
whatever is happening in Destiny right now. Like, I don't care. But when I play Destiny, I like the story. I like shooting at stuff. I just said I like the story. See, but I like shooting at stuff. Like, that's what I play. That's where I would argue that Sean has a better time. Sean and I both have a better time because we have a better grasp. And there is, like, I do care about what's going on. I'm actually frustrated that the game, and I understand by the way that it is, but it frustrates me that the game does all this very important storytelling throughout seasons that basically try to force you to play all year round. And that means it's very complicated for me to come back and try and catch up because I do want to know what's happening and I do understand a lot of what's going on. So whenever the Witch Queen hits, I'm like, oh, dude, they've been talking about Savathun forever. We've been we dealt with Crota in the first game, like you know we're we're seeing the fruits of stuff we did eight years ago come into you know fruition. So I would argue that yeah, you're right. You don't have to have it to appreciate the game and have a good time and even maybe love it and it be your favorite game to some degree. But I think that people who are really into Destiny. I think they enjoy it in a different way. I, it doesn't make yours wrong or anything, but to that end, right? Just to get back to the conversation, I think that the same can be true of Batman or you know the Gotham Knights. If you did the Court of Owls, you don't have to care about the story. But that's the for the people that do care that are going to be like mega fans. That's the way forward. And then for other people, it just gives you a lot of opportunities uh, to set up a bunch of opportunity for the League of Shadows, uh, Rachel Ghoul. Rachel Ghoul gives you a lot of ability to kind of fuck around and do what you want to from a visual and gameplay aspect. Um, one of the greatest boss fights in Arkham is the Rachel Ghoul Arkham Knight fight, or Arkham City sure. fight. It's great. And that game is just six at best. But um, I think... Wrong. It's <laughs> not good. I think my, my point is more like, yes, you're not wrong in what you're saying, but if you're thinking of the shell of a live service game, it's daily missions, strikes, raids, high-end raids, right? So it's not hard for me to think like, okay, you have the story of this game, you play through this game, you get that story. The Suicide Squad is still the Suicide Squad, so they go back yeah. to jail, and it's, hey... This season, we're doing the Golden Age Justice League. You have to kill 60s Aquaman. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if that's where they go or they take obscure versions of it. You know, when they did like Justice League Apocalypse, like shit like that. Um, yeah, they have the Justice League Dark. So it's like, oh, this month you're, you're looking for all these guys and Constantine is the main villain. You know, I think setting it up in a way where they can just slap in new characters and make it a game that keeps evolving. And the story still continues. You're still following these characters, but this season we're doing this. And, oh, the raid is against Darkseid and all this stuff. I think you have just as much opportunity to tell a story, and you're not hampered by having to do Court of Owls. However, realistically, the big Savathun-ass reveal in this game could just be the Court of Owls. Like, it's really not that hard, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because like right now it's Brainiac, and then it's like, oh well, Brainiac was actually being controlled by Darkseid, who's actually being controlled by the Court of Owls. So I I think there's just as much opportunity in this one, but I think the setup for Suicide Squad is more conducive to making a live service game. Yeah, well, and just to clarify, because I mean you're you're right, and I wasn't intending to argue against the fact that ultimately people who love Final Fantasy fourteen and Final Fantasy are and like. Uh, Final Fantasy XI, I guess, uh, online, and World of Warcraft, there are undoubtedly a section of people who are super fans who care about every single story aspect that's happening. And then there are people who are 
just as many hours in the game, just as much love for the game, but they love strictly the gameplay aspect of it and the community aspect of it. And they're just playing with people and they kind of have a loose idea of what's happening, but they don't care. That's probably the vast majority of people who play all of those games because people who are more hyper fans, which is more what it would take to care about the story at that level. Um, that's a little more co- uncommon. That's a, that's not as common as people who just kind of come in and have a grasp, at least a little bit on what's going on. It's kind of like God of war can be one of the biggest PS4 franchises. And yet people have zero like people have only the context clues from the last two games as to what happened in the first seven games, you know? So yeah. there's people who are mega fans who've cared the entire time and had to play Ascension to figure out how it fit into the puzzle. Then you have people that loved one, two and three, but didn't bother with change of Olympus or ghost of Sparta or betrayal on the phones <laughs> or Ascension <laughs> <laughs> betrayal on the Nokia phone. Man, what a time. I did not play that game. Yeah, I didn't play that one either. But that's okay. Um, yeah, we'll see how this ends up playing out. I, I guess, do you care if it's live service? Like, do, do you? Does it impact the way that you feel? Because like right now, you're not even truly, say this, you're excited for the game, but you've clearly had some issues as the game has been shown. I've, you've, you've had your complaints about aspects of it. I think the game would have to will have to be significantly better for me to truly care. Whether it is or isn't. If it is a live service game, the game will have to be better than it would be if it wasn't. To overcome the fact that it is one for you. Okay. I exactly, yeah. Okay. Understood. All right, we'll see how that ends up playing out. Next piece of news, one of the most reliable leakers of all time, the snitch, has followed in the footsteps of Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, and Brett Favre by unretiring to bring us another piece of potential news. In his Discord, he said that someone reliable had reached out to him and said that PlayStation would be announcing a bunch of third-party stuff soon. This dovetails nicely with the persistent rumor that a Metagross Solid remake is in the pipeline and about to be shoved into the spotlight. More recently, the voice actor for Raiden responded to a fan calling for a sequel to Revengeance with a hint that the coming weeks would be interesting. Interesting. <laughs> tell me mm. more, tell me more. Yeah, that one's... Uh, hmm. This has been going on so long that this seems like a where there's smoke, there's fire situation. Yeah. I could see that. There's been conflicting reports. There's been reports that it's Metagross Solid 1. And then there's reports that it's Metagross Solid 3. Metagross Solid 3 makes a lot of sense because it's canonically... Uh, not really is it canonically the first game either, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it, it was for a long time. And then it wasn't. <laughs> yep. So I don't know. But then again, if you look at, okay, I don't want to say too much, but I don't think it's really wrong to say that five takes place before three. I wouldn't have said it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm, I mean, if you, if you start playing that game, I think it's pretty obvious. I don't know. I mean, maybe not. I, I mean, me, I don't know. Metal so Gear many aspects are in that, that game that I feel like. Yeah, but I feel like the whole point is we can't we can't keep talking about it. <laughs> we can't. It's impossible. Yeah, you're right. I don't. I wouldn't have said that, but I don't know Metal Gear enough to know, and I haven't played five in a long time. 
So it could not be a spoiler. Anyone who played Peace Walker, as soon as they start five, will know. That's a good point. I do know that. And Peace Walker was advertised as being before all of those. Yep. You're right. You're right. So that's all I'll say. And then we'll we'll let the rest of it go. Mega Solid 5 is a really interesting game, even if I don't like Incredible the game, game play. You know Absolute what I mean? Absolute 10 like, out of 10 game. Everything else is cool about the game. I just... Well, I, I say everything else is cool. There's a little bit of issues I have with the story, but that's more in storytelling because it, it very much is skewed the way that they usually told stories in Mega Solid games for a slightly different approach here that is not wrong, but I don't prefer it. That mixed with gameplay kind of, I won't say soured me, but I didn't care to keep playing because you can figure the story out of anything if you just want to. Yeah, <laughs> so I fair. know what happens in five, separate from having to play it. Um, man, I want to go back and play Metal Gear Solid 4. That would be a hell of a platinum. I don't even know if you can get that. You can. Because there was a multiplayer mode for Metal Gear Solid 4, but I don't think it had any trophies. I don't believe so. Hmm. Unless, am I remembering that incorrectly? I feel like I remember multiplayer Metal Gear Solid 4. There was multiplayer. I okay. I do That's agree. I it did exist. It's only 3,073. <laughs> That's still pretty solid, though. It's a pretty good list. A pretty good game. Yeah. I wonder how difficult it is to get, though. That's a good question. It's a, like a 10 on... Oh. To the next thing, this is an update to last week's Gears of Effect leak. It appears that the leaked sci-fi game from Sony is being developed by Outriders and Bulletstorm developers, People Can Fly. This is all speculation, but appearing in the leaked footage was the word red. People Can Fly had previously mentioned that a project red was in a, the concept development stage back in 2021. If this rumor bears fruit, it would appear that this game is still far from an announcement let alone a release. So this goes into that idea of seeing things way before they're ready. Uh, but hardly is this an issue. I mean, you know, um, same thing, same way we talked about Redfall. You don't want to say something really strongly about work in progress footage. Well, definitely when you don't know how far back the footage that you're seeing was in this concept. Um, though, if we look at what, the uh, leaker had said last week there was the fact that the game was apparently much further along than what we had what had been leaked so we'll let that go through as it is uh chris hi you played outriders i did not does this change anything about your excitement for this being a possible answer for who's making the project and the project itself for sony no i think people can fly as a is the definition of a fine developer and that's okay. But I don't, I don't look at this game as like a, Oh, people can fly is making it. It's a 10 out of 10. So people can fly can is making it cool. It might be, it might be good. Like I Does trust it drive them. you at least a little more towards playing it than vagueness of who's going to make it. Yeah. Cause I know that I can, what I can expect, which is decent gunplay, mediocre story, decent graphics and that's fine um i think bullet storm is their best game actually gears judgment is pretty good too but i like gears of war or jesus i like bullet storm bullet storm is awesome so you know i i hope that they skew more bullet storm 
But to me, the trailer, the th- not I guess trailer is the wrong word, but the leak felt like a survival horror sci-fi RPG. So who knows? Yeah, interesting for you to name check Judgment. That's the game that most people think of as the worst Gears of War game. <laughs> oh, I love that game. But it's not a Gears of War game in the sense. It's an Angry Birds game. Like that's that's what the game is. Okay. <laughs> that, you go into levels. You go into levels, you find a way to get the highest score, and you have to get three stars at the end. It's an Angry Birds game. <laughs> So is it more in line? I thought it was more of a traditional Gears game. Is it more in line with Bulletstorm, where it's just about doing cool shit within that level to try and score points? That's what I remember, yes. Okay. News to me. It's been a long time. Either way, I am excited for this. Not in a way that I'll buy it on day one, but more excited than just XDev, who I've never heard do anything. At least I like Bulletstorm and and uh, Outriders. So so with that in mind, um, and I technically having not played Outriders, I fell victim to calling it one as well. And I think in some ways I'd call it a pseudo games as a service. Um, but there's some thought here from some people, me included, that since Outriders at least brushed against a lot of the ideas of games as a service games, do you think that this would make this an obvious choice to be a games as a service game for Sony if this is indeed the developer uh, behind it because of Outriders? And do you think it being Sony's money and bigger budget and probably a little bit less of a uh, firm grip on what's going on with the studio because we know that Square Enix is pretty uh, aggressive with its Western partners and Western studios? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how how much they handhold the game. So with that in mind, do you think this would be a uh, games as a service? And do you think that it being under Sony gives it a much higher chance to be a higher quality than Outriders and maybe pull it off a little bit better than what Square was able to work with people can fly on? I definitely think that it being a Sony game gives it the potential to be higher quality. Um, what I find the most interesting is kind of watching and seeing if the game is good enough for them to be acquired, which mm. I also think is interesting, which this is, this is, you want to put on a tinfoil hat, put it on right now, right? Sony has been rumored to buy Square Enix. People can fly is very tied in with Square Enix without riders and Outriders is continuing. Sony using their relationship with Square Enix is working with people can fly. Sony is making Outriders 2 and they're buying Square Enix. <laughs> Man, okay. I follow you. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I don't know that I agree. I don't agree, but I just think it's funny like thinking of that coincidence. I feel like at this point would they have called Outriders 2 Project Red? I guess, depending on how early in concept it is. But who knows? I know that Outriders is supposed to be continuing, but also that was weird because I feel like People Can Fly were talking about how they had not broken even yet. Like uh, They hadn't gotten paid. The game broke. Yeah. Yeah, the game yeah. broke even. They had not profited from it. And mm-hmm. we know that Square is pretty bad about what their expectations are for games. Uh, and not to say that they're wrong for it, but they usually have very high expectations. And it feels like literally every game that is not a Japanese game and even a good chunk of the Japanese games underperforms to expectations for square. 
I so it's a little that. surprising that Outriders is getting pushed along so far. It's either very cheap and a lot of good PR for Square, or Square is making enough money and it's just not set up to where it's enough for people can fly to start making money off of it past what that, they were initially that's what it contracting. Because, yeah, they got their initial payday and then they just haven't made anything past that. So it just hasn't hit that expectation, even with the Game Pass bump. I don't know. Outriders is interesting and it's good. Um, I'm interested to see where this goes. I just like the, you can kind of feel if this is true, like a little potential seed of uh, when we're both 45 on the show being like, oh, Outriders has been purchased by Sony. They started their relationship in 2023. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Sony's, it, it's weird seeing Sony get so quick to acquiring developers lately. And I get it. You, It's kind of a, you have to try and go through the process that Sony likes to do much quicker than they used to. Uh, at least for developers that they are not as tight with. Like Housemark, they're very tight with. Bluepoint, very tight with for a decade. Um, so even though they didn't buy them immediately, they kind of knew that they had a good enough working relationship that it was unlikely to happen that way. Um, but the, I think the days of acquiring Sucker Punch after you know six games, five games... It's kind of out the window. I don't think that those yeah. exist anymore. I think Sony's looking for, do you work pretty well? Do we have a good relationship with you? Does your culture mostly vibe with ours? And does your first game that we do with you at least meet whatever internal expectation we have to there to then grow you from? Because like yeah. we saw that they considered Returnal a success from everything we can see, but we also know Returnal didn't sell crazy numbers. I think it sold less than a million. Yeah, I believe that's true. So with that in mind... Yeah, I think if this game would do well, Sony might buy them, but why? It, people Can Fly could be their in-house shooter studio again because they don't have one currently unless the Gorilla second team is working on a shooter as has been rumored often. What are your thoughts there? Well, <clears throat> I think you buy them because you're... I think buying teams that f- would f- be focused on live service may not be as flashy for gamers, but it might be the best way to guarantee we don't start getting disappointed by uh, Sucker Punch going, hey, here's Ghost of Tsushima 2, Ghost of Tsushima Legends, which is a live service game. You know what I mean? Like, If you can build a stable of people to focus on live service with Sony San Diego, People can fly. Maybe you go call Ubisoft right now, see if you can pry Massive away. And then you have a studio making, uh, you have a portion of your portfolio that's making live service games. So then the rest of your studios can focus on your bread and butter, which is God of War and Uncharted and The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. You rush against something that I know this isn't in the news, but I think it's worth quickly mentioning here. While we're talking about M&A and all the stuff going on, uh, Ubisoft's in weird spot right now, right? You know, canceling three games that were unannounced, yeah. delaying Skull and Bones again. Uh, and then, of course, all the different things that we've been seeing them have problems with, um, you know, with like Prince of Persia and what their expectations <clears throat> were with that new studio over in the Middle East and everything that's happened there. Uh, there's also some talk about them being interested in potentially selling. Uh, there's apparently some talk about Tencent trying to maybe go after them. But 
I, I asked somebody, I asked in the Discord the other day, like, what are the chances that Sony would want to buy Ubisoft specifically to gain just a shit ton of studios and general workers? Because Ubisoft would not be that much money. No. They have a lot of studios that are talented and can make great games, but they're usually made under very tight crunch and with a lot of influence from uh, upper management. And a lot of like, well, we're going to do things because we want to work towards NFTs or we're going to do things because we want to work towards subscription. We want everybody to be using Ubisoft Plus or whatever the hell it's called now. Ubisoft Connect. You connect. Uh, Yeah. So with all that in mind and looking at what they could gain from people like Massive and what they might be able to do to studios that make games like the uh, make games like Assassin's Creed, which you can argue. And I said it last night, Ghost of Tsushima in many ways, and even to some degree, games like um, Horizon, both of those, are Ubisoft games at a much higher quality than Ubisoft does. So what's the value of Sony buying Ubisoft and being like, we're going to let you make your games at this quality now and without pushing for monetization in this area and, and this and this area. You know what I mean? And then, of course, get massive. I just don't think that the Ubisoft or IP stable of IP is very valuable. It's like you get Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs, Just Dance, and Avatar. You know, and Far Cry. Sure, but mm, Far Cry Six kind of sucks. Um, I just think agreed. It, you know, <laughs> they got a Game of the Year edition, Chris. Somebody definitely gave it that. Um, I think if you really think about it, though, the most savvy reason to pick up Ubisoft is Tom Clancy, right? Doesn't yeah. that solve everything? Hey, we don't need a we don't need a shooter. We have Tom Clancy, Rainbow Six Siege. Like, go play that. <laughs> yeah. You know? And hey, Gorilla Killzone's dead, but you want to make Tom Clancy's zone kill? Like, it's all very. <laughs> they have so many ways that that's the only thing. So I can see. If you go to Eve's and you're like, we're not interested in, in, in Ubisoft at all. We don't want Assassin's Creed. Maybe you could take Assassin's Creed if you can pry that out of them. But we don't want your craft. We don't want the license to battle chess. But we do want the Tom Clancy name. We want the IP. And we want Massive. Maybe they do that. It's the same thing as Marvel selling off Spider-Man and all their comic book heroes at the beginning when they were going bankrupt. You know, maybe they have to do something like that. Um, but Brett, have you ever thought of? I'm going to pitch you a company that I think would be really good to take over Ubisoft, and you can give me your opinion. Okay, go for it. Uh, Vivendi. See, this is why the reports from Ubisoft seem so weird to me. Because not long ago, they were fighting off being taken over. And now we're hearing reports of them wanting to be sold. Though, they were fighting off wanting to be taken over before they had a large, large swath of bad PR, similar to what Activision's facing yeah. with bad work culture, sexual harassment, and all sorts of top executives in the studio levels, not necessarily the company level, but the studio's levels, doing a lot of unsavory things, uh, apparently. So it's like, does that change their tune? Where at this point, Eves is just like, the Gilmo brothers are like, yeah, fuck it. No, I... I- to me, I think what changed their tune is I think when Vinvetti was trying to do it, A, they were doing it hostily, which was never yes. good. 
but sure. B, you weren't seeing studios bought for billions of dollars. Even if Ubisoft, like we're both saying Ubisoft is cheap. Oh, that's be a few billion, but I don't think they'd be exactly. as much as, uh, as Microsoft paid for Bethesda. But 20, no. Uh, I, I mean, even if they're worth $2 billion, that's probably more than they would have gotten around the Vivendi time. So it's not hard to see why the, the thing has changed. They've got the bad press. The games aren't doing as well. They're canceling games. And someone's offering us $2 billion, which we would not have gotten seven years ago. So biggest issue with any of this, right? The biggest question I've had with M&A in general, and I think people have brought it up in, in a little bit, kind of in a, a roundabout way, with Xbox is you can buy studios all day long. Yeah. But the more studios you have, the more capable managers for studio you have to have. Sony does a really good job at doing a great job of managing their existing studios and the ones they've slowly brought in to make sure that they produce at a higher level, that they produce often enough to be justifiable and that they're not constantly pushing games back into eternity. It doesn't mean that it never happens, but it's pretty rare for Sony. If you acquire Ubisoft, if let's just go back to that idea, right? Anybody, right? If, if, if Microsoft acquires Activision, what, are they going to do from a project management standpoint where they have people that go around and make sure all these studios are working? That means if Sony did the same thing, they would have to have, they'd have to get that many more people who are capable of doing that and doing it well, like Scott Rohde and any mm-hmm. of the people that are going to be in that position. How easy is it to do that? Is that the hard part? Because it doesn't seem to be going incredibly smooth at Xbox. I'm not saying it's going awful, but I think it's, the, I think the fact that Xbox has not had a really a single game come out of their um, acquisitions yet Yeah, that has benefited them is interesting. And you can look at games like Grounded, but I feel like Grounded existed in some degree before they were before Obsidian was purchased. But even if I not, agree. fine. Okay, good. But we have yet to see from... Uh, they, they acquired like 10 studios in, in a year and a half or two years. Maybe even more. I guess with Bethesda, they absolutely more. And yet we've not seen anything actually come from that yet. What is that? And is that the same thing that Sony could be facing if they get to where they try and acquire something big like a Ubisoft? Because we talk about Bethesda being seven mil- seven billion, right? Let's say Ubisoft's four to five billion, right? So maybe they can get them for less. How do they adequately actually make sure that they can work all these studios and manage them in a way where they're productive and don't become a cost sink. Or is that arguably where Ubisoft already is? <laughs> you know? Well, I, I think it, they're already there. But I think the thing is, it's interesting because they got raked over the coals a little bit online, Ubisoft, that is, for saying in an email that was leaked with all this information that the developers needed to step up and start making better games. And oh, I, I noticed a lot of people were talking shit about them being like, listen, you're the managers. You're the ones who are supposed to be shepherding this thing. And I don't know. It's interesting because maybe it's because I'm a manager, right? But I look at that and go, if if my cooks are putting out shitty burgers all the time, then the reality is, yes, I'm doing a bad job because I'm not holding them to the proper standard, but they're doing a shitty job too. And they're yeah. directly responsible for the burgers. I can't cook a burger on Expo. You know what I mean? I can sell the burger, but I can't cook it. So yes, I have to step up and make sure the standards are met. 
but they have to make the burger properly. And I think that's the same yeah. thing we're looking at here is, yeah, they could probably have a better manager, but they also need the employees to step up. Yeah. I think it, clearly it's both, right? You have to have yeah. managers that hold people accountable, but part of holding people accountable is that repercussions come when things aren't met to a certain quality level. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, a lot of people I think have to try and fight that idea of like, what is reasonable, right? It would clearly be unreasonable to be like, we need you to make better games in less time. Oh, 100%. Which is probably happening <laughs> to some degree. But if you're just saying, like, listen, the games can only be as good as you make them do. Yes, I'm a manager. It's my job to make sure these games are made well. But at the same time, it's your job to work and try your best at really trying to make as good of a game as you feel like you can make within reason. And it's our job to also be reasonable in what we expect from you from a work hour and work-life balance situation. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, that's a, it's a long-running conversation in games that's hard to get into. So, uh, But, Chris, unless you want to say anything else about here, we got a couple of uh, other things to do. We're going to round this episode out. What do you think? Let's round this episode out, baby boy. Well, before we get into a rapid fire news, which is just little hits of stuff, uh, we have a fun question I thought to slot in between there. Josh Shoup, uh, the person who asked about the bathroom, says he hits us with a fake question at first. Would you play The Last of Us, the show, the game? <laughs> yes. It makes me think of those books that are like the the novelization of the movie that was based off the novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, but then he says, most realistic food in a game that made your mouth water, the kind that you could practically smell and taste, the kind where you knew you wouldn't be satisfied with anything else until you had whatever it was you saw. Uh, Persona 5, the curry. Curry. All right. I think we've had a similar question to this before. Yeah. And I th- the only reason I'm just now remembering that is I feel like I remember my answer being Monster Hunter World's sprawl of food. Is it fucking yes, delicious? Yes, you say that. It is sure. incredible. So, Josh, there you not go. A, not a video game, but best best the food that fits this is from a movie, and it's the beginning scene of Spirited Away. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. That food oh. is... It looks so delicious. I would turn into a pig for that food. The crazy thing about it is that it's hard to completely quantify how you make something look delicious, but when you see something that looks delicious, you know it. And the reason I bring that up is that the the bugs in the Lion King, whenever Simba runs away to live with Timon and Pumbaa, those bugs look fucking delicious. I'll be honest with you. I have never wanted to eat a bug in my life. Those bugs look good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'd have to eat it being like Hakuna Matata, Hakuna Matata, Hakuna Matata, but I would still eat it. It looks delicious. <laughs> it's like your psych up thing now. <laughs> you about to go into the game? Hakuna Matata, Hakuna Matata. What is he saying? Hakuna Matata? I was a young warthog. For he was a young warthog. All right, Chris. Rapid fire news we have. The next PS5 update is reportedly turning up the Discord integration for PS5 if a report by Insider Gaming is to be believed. So that implies full Discord implementation, full integration. I'm very curious for this because we got higher integration with Xbox and it is not ideal if we're just being honest. I don't know if any of you messed with it. 
Uh, you have to start a chat elsewhere and then flick it to the Xbox and it takes over and you can't control any of it from there. Uh, but I would love the idea. There'd be a lot of community benefits and a lot of things that would make things easier if you can control your parties and your chats and your images of everything from Discord mm. natively on your PlayStation. What are your thoughts, Chris? Um, I don't know. I think this will be a little bit better than the Xbox integration because uh, Sony investment. owns part of Discord. So, yeah, yeah, investment. But I also think right, the we'll Xbox see. One has been significantly improved since what you're saying. It, it has. Okay, well, yeah, good. So. I, I hadn't actually seen that. I just know the early days, I was like, ah, this is not ideal. Like, yeah, it's a yeah. step towards the right direction, but it wasn't ideal. Uh, next up, Tom Henderson has offered an update on his information claiming that PlayStation is looking to update the PS5 hardware refresh that is seemingly changing it to where there is a detachable disk drive. He's talked about this a bit. He adds that it doesn't seem to be any more powerful, just a refresh, likely the slim system that we always eventually get, and that the disk drive is unlikely to be compatible with the current all-digital model of the PS5, which leads us to a couple of questions we have. But I think there's an interesting thing to break down here for anyone who may not be kind of getting where this is coming from. So it seems like the idea here is to unify the PlayStation 5 to a single production model to where if you want physical games, there's still an answer to that, but it's a detachable disk drive that they can just sell you separately so that all PlayStation 5s are made on one assembly line instead of being bifurcated into an assembly line for the disk model and an assembly line for the disk list model. The real questions here come into how is this being achieved? What is the detachable disk drive? Does detachable imply that it will physically connect to the system mounting wise or is it just detachable in the sense that it's a drive that you plug into one of the ports and it becomes your disk drive kind of like we saw with uh hd dvd on the xbox 360 (laughs) Um, and then what comes to that right what does that actually bring to the table um so one of the questions we got and i think it's a really interesting one to ask josh Ayers, one of our patrons says Do you think the external disk drive means that they will have longer install times when reading from the disk, or will we need to remove a faceplate and install the drive onto the system to use a custom port to get normal read speeds or slower speeds through USB? So basically he's asking, is this something that will need to be connected into a dedicated port to get fast transfer speeds, or will it be slower through USB? And I think for me... The answer is somewhere between. The PlayStation 5 right now has a very high-speed USB-C port on the front, uh, and that is what the um, PSVR 2 is going to be using. So if this is a new model, maybe they'll add a second one of those so that the PSVR 2 one will still exist in its capacity, and then this drive will be able to connect to that disk to give you ultimately the exact same transfer rates that you'd expect. Um Though, we just don't know yet. I think a physically detachable disk drive seems very unlikely. I think it's too unwieldy to sell to the general consumer. What do you think, Chris? Um, I think it depends on the new model, right? Because if it's unlikely to be connected to the current all-digital, I would be willing to bet that the PS5 Slim will have no disk drive. This will come as a supplement, and it'll look like when you the rumble pack for the N64 kind of thing. You just stack it right <laughs> to the top. Yeah, maybe. My thought realistically is that 
their their real go around may be a dedicated port. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, is that's not on the original, and that's why they're getting there. Yeah, so even if it's not physically on the console, it's still being connected through a cable to dedicated ports, so that it's not reliant on USB speeds or anything else. It can be dedicated port. I think they would face some backlash to that. Hundred percent, but. It is what it is. And yeah, so the idea is that you would just get this. If you buy a physical one, it'll came it'll come with the exact system that doesn't have one and then this to supplement that. But the reason I'm thinking two ports is because if they want it to be physical, they should still want you to be able to do physical versions of PSVR two games, which means you can't take up the only high speed USB C on the system. So Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't think that they would do this move to further hurt. Um, the consumer base, but who knows? Uh, with that in mind, though, Rude Days 93, another patron, says, so with the detachable disk drive and the continued growth of digital purchases, how many console generations do you think it will be until Sony and Xbox both go 100% digital? The PS6 gen, the PS7, or never? Chris. Yes, hi. You're all digital already. Very, pretty much. I think you have Pretty a slightly much. different answer than me. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't think they'll ever do it until it's 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 the cop out answer. It won't. They'll never do it until the internet is so good that everyone can do this. Mm-hmm. That's I think what it is. And the thing is, like, I don't buy everything digitally either. Like, I have one piece. Honestly, I bought on disc. Sorry, Brett, but I just pre ordered it. I was like, fuck it. Like I'm just gonna pre-order it. I forgot it was coming. It got shipped to my house, and I paid the seventy bucks. So, <clears throat> um, I don't know. I think there will always be physical until the internet's good enough, or until they're willing to say, "Oh, you and bumfuck nowhere sucks to be you." I don't know if they're gonna do the second one. So, they're a corporation. So I'm inclined to agree with you. My my. General answer is yes, they will not do it until they know that they are not losing 20% of potential sales. Uh, And that's not only Sony. That's every publisher. That's every single publisher. Yeah, they prefer you to do digital because they're making just as much money off of you without ever having to worry. It's it's a little different, right? Physical is a little more beneficial because I worked at GameStop. I can kind of tell you there's not as much of a take. Um, I, I say that actually, I've never thought about doing the math outright, but they take about $8 from a physical game, but there's other costs that come into play. So if you think about a $70 game and we're saying that they take 30%, um, for any digital game, Sony is getting $21, right? At $70. But if we look and we think that used to, they took about $8 whenever a game was 60. Um, I think that that, went to like 12 or 15%, but there's also shipping costs and manufacturing costs. So they kind of balance themselves out in a way there. I think where you might see this come into is that physical still remains a way for publishers to try and get more money. Definitely if Sony or anybody ever decides to try and up their percentage, if they ever thought to do that, I don't know if they'd be able to get away with it from a legal standpoint. I think there'd be some anti-competition stuff that would try and come in. I don't think it'd be anti-competition. I don't know what it would actually be, but we saw that become a big issue. It, it might be anti-competition because we saw it become a very big issue in the Apple Epic lawsuit. Uh, but with all that said, my real hope 
and they're a corporation, so it's unlikely that this is it. My real hope is that they will never go 100% digital until digital media rights have been reworked to where you genuinely own what it is. I but agree. that's not something a company is worried about. Yeah. Clearly, the reason they're trying to move everybody towards streaming and all these things is that you never have to own the game. Um, if you think, going back to Ubisoft, if you think about Ubisoft's crazy gold editions and stuff that's like $140 with all this extra bullshit, I think it's pretty clear that they don't really expect or care if anyone does buy that. Undoubtedly, someone will buy the physical version of that. What they're really trying to do is get you to subscribe to Uconnect or Ubisoft Classics or whatever their service is that they have even on PlayStation so that you get all those things through a subscription service where you never own the game. And yet they still make a bunch of money off of you, but they don't have to worry about things like licensing or keeping certain things up. And part of the reason I think that is if you remember Ubisoft killed a bunch of DLC and online uh, aspects of a bunch of games for no other reason than just that they wanted to realistically. Um, So if you think about that, I don't want to see that happen across the entire industry where you can't play DLCs or certain games because they've just been removed or you never own them to begin with. So they don't exist. And that goes into the conversation of video game preservation Physical is not the end-all, be-all of preservation. Preservation means a lot of things. And even all digital titles, like indie games, deserve to be preserved, whether or not they ever hit physical. But physical is a big way to make sure that there is some form of long-term preservation of a game when the digital future is not. So that's my general worry. Hopefully this is something that gets addressed soon. But I don't hear enough outcry for it, so I don't know that it's something that will hit without weird regulatory people coming in and saying, we want people to actually own stuff. And maybe a class action lawsuit of people who've bought something and lost it in mass would potentially trigger that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just hard for me to ever imagine the PlayStation store going down. Like unless there's a world war, like it's hard to see. But what if it does, you know, I mean, what if it does you having all the money you do in it? How would you feel like, Hypothetically, how would you feel? Devastated. That would be awful. It's the same reason why I, I talked to you and Blake about like I want to buy a PS3 and vacuum seal it and put it in a closet. Strictly because my collection is so big that if I if the PS3 I use dies and I can't get one down the line, like so 20 years down the line, I'm like I, I'm like, oh my my boy, it's time it's time for you to see the magic of Fallout 3. And then that doesn't work. Right, like yeah. that would be devastating. It's the same thing here. It's like, yeah, okay, let's play Last of Us Part One on Brett's account, you know, and then it's all <laughs> dead, so I can't do it. Yeah, I just, I wish personally more people cared about that, but I get the convenience factor makes most people just not, and I think convenience factor is exactly what leads to problems, like. As you may have seen, I chose to do it from our Twitter because it's the only one I have realistically. It's the one I use at least. Um, I've been having issues with YouTube music where albums I like to listen to are songs on specific albums that aren't showing up for me. And I don't know if it's a me problem or everyone problem, but I don't like this taken out of my hands. And the convenience factor of being able to listen to any album at any point in time has slowly but surely kicked me from me buying a physical version of every album that I like and then putting on my computer and then putting it on my phone, which means that those things can never be taken away from me because I would have all the stuff for them. So I worry about that with gaming because I've already seen it happen to music. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. I just think with games, it's harder to, you know, like, what's really the situation where something's going away? And maybe a controversial take is, does it matter that it's going away? <laughs> well, a good example, not that it's a, a fantastic game. I think it's a pretty good game, though. Um, Deadpool for PS4. It's a game yeah, and PS3, I think, actually. It was a cross Yeah, I have it on PS3. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1, Amazing Spider-Man 2. These are games that are no longer available digital, and that means if they never released physically, there would be no way for anyone new to ever play those games. It'd be PT all over again. There's no way to download them for people who... There's ways for people to download them who already bought them, but there's no way to just buy and download them for new people. Um, And I think that creates a big issue. Because it's one less game that you have the ability to reference back to. Now, the flip side is not great, where maybe if you want The Amazing Spider-Man 2, you've got to pay $100 for a copy. But it's better than not having the ability to play it at all. I don't disagree with that at all. So, And that's actually a, a totally all right game. <laughs> the Amazing Spider-Man 1 is pretty good, too. Actually, I think it's better than Amazing Spider-Man 2. But all that saying, it's a problem that I just see that's where in the all digital future, if you truly own that digital license and it is yours to do with what you please, then we're back to the same thing. Anyone who's willing to give up their digital license for Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 can sell the digital license to another account and transfer it. But that's not where we are because you don't truly own that digital license. It is you paying full price to basically rent something for as long as their service is available. Well, it's also a question of like, why would they ever let you do that? Why would they ever let you transfer so, things between yeah. people? Like why? Yeah. Like there's no reason. Well, if you really, if, if you want to put business reason behind it, you can say, well, listen, because you're having to use our servers to do that, it is still your product. It's still yours. But because you're having to use our account system to tie these things around, if you sell the game to somebody, we make a back end on what you sold. That would be their business reason to do it. Hey, we take 10%, 5%, whatever it be. eBay it, right? If you sell a game on eBay, you lose two, you pay eBay 10%. Sony says right. you, you sell a game to another PlayStation user. Okay, cool. We'll transfer it to their account. But because you're having to use our servers and our accounts and we're having to do a little bit of back-end transfer work, we take 10%. I think it's a better future than you don't own it at all. <laughs> and you can't sell it, get rid of it. You can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, again, fair. I just look at my library, and maybe it's because I've gotten older and I have... I guess more money than I used to as a kid. I don't look at anything in my library. Like I wish I could get rid of that. I look at it as, yeah, I probably shouldn't have bought, you know, lost and random. Cause I never played it, but I don't mind having it. And that's how I've always looked at it. So I just wonder how much, you know, there, there's definitely an outcry for that, but I don't know that I see it as something yeah. that they're gonna do. It seems <laughs> sounds bad, but it's, it seems almost too pro consumer. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> that's an issue in my mind. <laughs> Every move towards digital has been inherently 
worse for the consumer in the in the grand stand of whether you own something or not and it's also been worse for the artist because they make less money than physical and traditional sales did as we move towards streaming. It's the other reason I think people are scared of gaming. Uh, musical artists do not make nearly as much as they did whenever you actually had to buy their CDs. Uh, and that's why, I don't know if you've noticed, it's always been a thing. But here lately, touring is a big thing, even for big bands, because that's where a majority of their money comes from. And then secondarily, mm-hmm. a big push for merch, because that's essentially what being a band is nowadays, is your ability to sell clothing <laughs> apparel <laughs> and exactly. make a good markup on it um you know you can still make money from streams but it's not what it was and i think that game creators are very likely looking at that and worrying is that what it's going to be like for us if we move to a thing where all games are essentially part of a service and there is no buying individual games and i hope that that's not where we go to but we just we don't know uh but that's fine uh chris you want to give everybody an update on our metacritic situation Yes. So Brett is the first loser of the <laughs> <laughs> fantasy draft as his pull of Lost Soul Aside was delayed to 2024. I don't even know if delay is the right word. I don't know if it ever had a true date. Um, so you get a whopping zero points for uh, Lost Soul Aside. And then uh, yep. Persona 4 Golden reviews are coming up on Metacritic. And as of recording, it has a 92. So Chris has a 92. Uh, <laughs> Lost Soul Aside was one of my wild cards, if you remember. Yeah. So I'm not but surprised. I'm disappointed because <laughs> I want that game to come out. We've been knowing about it since 2016, 2017. It's just a long time. You know, there's a lot of aspects that have gone into it, like increased scope and scale and all sorts of things. But it's getting a little disheartening to see this game continuously move and continuously move. Um you're right. It's not necessarily a delay because they've never given a hard date, but they're always like, oh, it's looking like 2023. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, nah, it's looking like 2024. And before <laughs> 2023, it was, oh, it's looking like 2022. You know, it's you kind of get tired of seeing that. Uh, so it is what it is. But that's I'm, I'm happy for you, Chris. 92 is pretty good. Thanks. I'm pretty hyped. I was a little worried. Um, Brett, while we're talking about it, would you like to add any games to your docket? At the moment, I think I'm good. You think you're good. Okay. Yeah. I clearly, okay, need to is a strong word. Strategically, losing Lost Soul aside, this is actually the better thing. This is a good clarification, too. Does a game not coming out in that year mean that you put a zero in its place or that it just doesn't go into the list? No, I'm putting a straight zero in the list. Okay. If that's what it is, then, then... Arguably, there's more of a a necessity for me to add a game to offset the zero. Yeah, because I think if we don't do that, then we just go to the rules that I had originally set to begin with and that we switched up because you would be doing the same thing. If if Lost Soul Aside doesn't count and you don't lose points, you're at an advantage. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Because strategically, it would be an advantage potentially to have less games to have to average. Exactly. So, yeah, right now I'm okay. But here soon we might, that might change. Right now I'm good. I can't think of any game that I'm just burning to put onto my list because whatever I add is going to have to be a lot of high numbers to counterbalance that. Yeah. I mean, you also got, I have Final Fantasy VII and Wolong Final Fallen Dynasty, both of which very well may not come out. So, 
we yeah. both have games that very well may not come out. Pikmin 4 is a wild choice. I don't know if that game even exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, with that in mind, we're going to wrap the show up with a couple of random questions we got. Uh, more serious one. Uh, Jehudi MD, one of our patrons, says, What are your opinions on the Zone of the Enders series? It was a promising series, not so much with the first free game that came bundled with the Metagross Solid 2 demo. Um, the second game had more promise, and it's unfortunate that any future is practically non-existent. Uh, so I'll tell you, the the game that came with the game that you could buy and it came with the Metal Gear Solid 2. So the first game I played very, very little of. I had a friend who got it because they were huge Metal Gear Solid fans. That is the extent of my experience with the series. I know what it is. I am familiar with it. I think it's an interesting series, but I never played two. I saw some of one. I kind of think I remember what happened story-wise, whatever my friend was playing it, but I only physically played it a little bit, watched him play the, uh, a good chunk of the rest of it. So I don't have strong opinions, but it's a very cool looking series that I wouldn't be surprised if it came back, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it never does because Konami has it. <clears throat> Chris, you have a play? I don't even know what it is. Oh, really? It's like a it's a mech, mech. game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen yeah. the box art when I go through the store, but I've never even looked at a trailer. Uh, I hope it's I hope it's good. Maybe it comes back. That would be cool. Yeah, well, it kind of did with VR, um, or not even VR. I think it had a VR mode, but they had Zone of the Enders. What was it called? The Second Runner Mars. And I don't know if it was... I don't really know how to describe it. I don't know if, if the Mars aspect was like new content on top of like Second Runner, or if it was just a remastered version of two... I, I just don't know. <laughs> so uh, I know that there were some issues around the Zone of the Enders collection that they came out with and that I think Zone of the Enders 2 specifically um, may have been one, may have been two, had to be completely redeveloped by a different developer to fix the issues that were going on uh, with the original release. I might be mixing that up with another game, but I feel pretty confident it was Zone of the Enders. Uh, and that's why initially I didn't play it whenever the remasters came out, but I never got back around to it. Uh, so yeah, clearly you think it's a pretty promising series. Maybe we'll see it come back around kind of like Armored Core has eventually made its way back around. Uh, I think that would have so to make Konami or Kojima getting very big again and someone wanting <laughs> to do that because I think Armored Core only truly came back because Dark Souls and Sekiro and Elden Ring have done so well that you could put From Software's name on pretty much anything and be like, there we go, baby, selling. I'd like to see them experiment with that, right? Like they do From Software's Parappa the Rapper 3 and just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Miyazaki's just out there like, this is the best game we've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> you made him sound like a British dude. This is I the know, best game we've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, I mean, you know, anything's possible. Except for hey, that. Sony, Sony owns a little bit of them, so who knows? Check out our staple of IPs. You want to make Uncharted 5? No. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were talking about him being him being British. I like turns out Miyazaki starts hanging out with Jim Ryan a whole bunch. Picks up <laughs> an English accent. Oi, bro, have you ever thought about languages being spoke with an accent? Like, have you ever thought about 
speaking Japanese with a British accent. Like, does that exist? I don't. Can you even do it? You probably can do it, right? I would. How I would, would imagine say- it's like someone who says they know how to speak Japanese, and they do, but they have a very thick accent. So they're like. Every every Japanese word that they're throwing out just has like a British twang to it. Well, I guess you could, right? Because my brother speaks Spanish in an American accent. See, because I speak well, okay, this is true of everyone, right? You your primary language, you tend not to think about it, but we live in America where English is predominant and there's very little push to make people learn secondary languages here because society doesn't really expect it of you. Whereas yeah. it feels like a lot of other areas, uh, like Japan, if I'm not mistaken, it's pretty common for you to learn English as a second language just because of how common it is. I think the same thing is true in a lot of different areas of the world. Um so it's weird <laughs> to think about as an American who's only ever had to really worry about speaking English. Like, you know, I know Spanish because I had to take a little bit of it, but uh, I had to take one year of foreign language class in high school <laughs> um, here. And I worked at a Mexican restaurant with Mexican chefs. So I picked up on a lot. I, I'd actually argue I learned more Spanish that I have since become quite rusty on working in the uh, restaurant business than I ever did in Spanish class. <laughs> Just Absolutely. throw that out there. Yeah. So, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we'll get a little pip pip cheerio Elden Ring. Konichi <laughs> <laughs> wa. Oh god. That sounds like that sound like Brad Pitt and Glorious Bastards when he's trying to <laughs> Bonjourno. <laughs> Bonjourno. God, what a movie. I should watch that again. What a movie, indeed. All right, we got one more question here from Josh Shoup, the man who tries to throw crazy wrenches into everything we do. Uh, He says, the game, the classic game of Fuck, Mary Kill. Hmm. If you don't know what that is, I don't even know if I could help you. Basically, you get given three names. You have to determine which of them you would fuck, which of them you would marry, and which one of them you would kill. And you have to do at least one uh, you know, one of each to one person. So the three candidates that were given to us, Tom Nook. Okay. Waluigi. Uh-huh. And Waka. And I have to assume he's saying Waka from Final Fantasy ten slash Kingdom Hearts. Not the, not the, I don't know any other Waka. Not the sound Pac-Man makes. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's Pac-Man. I mean, if it's Mrs. Pac-Man. Clapping them cheek. <laughs> is that a 2d joke <laughs> yes it was a 2d joke thank you <laughs> that's nice anyway so chris hi yeah we have to delineate tom nook waluigi waka do you want to do them as a group or do you want to go by person and figure out their best role for this I mean, I game think, i think i have my answer I don't know if you have your own answer. Go for it. Um, I think this is I think this is clearly Waluigi Waka Tom Nook. Okay. So you fuck Waluigi. Yep. You marry Waka and you kill yeah. Tom Nook? A hundred percent. And you said very clearly. I think it's very clearly that, yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Oh boy. All three characters are known for what I'm going to put out there as um 
potentially annoying accents. <laughs> Speaking of accents. <laughs> wow. Right? I'm assuming that there's a comes. point in my life where I would want to kill Waka for constantly being like, brother, I can't even do Waka's <laughs> voice. That was honestly terrible, and I'm sorry I attempted. Let me go back. You know what Waka sounds like if you've heard him. I don't know that I could hear that constantly every day, day in, day out. It's probably so the best fucker. of the three. Because the other one is, wow, 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 Luigi. And then the other one is Tom Nook, just, meep, 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 or whatever the hell noise that I hear from my <laughs> wife's Switch whenever she was playing that game. I wonder, do you think, with? I think the problem with Waluigi in the fuck and the Mary category is that I feel like you'd end up with like a, oh, I'm a coming. Wah, 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 Exactly my problem. But secondarily, the problem that you end up with with Tom Nook is how does Dirty Talk go? Like, as he's dirty talking, are you having to, like, look at the bubble that's coming up above his head? <laughs> it's just me, 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 Like, you know when you're, like, mid-coitus and you got your eyes closed because you're thrusting at it? Like, do you yeah. You can't even read the dirty talk. So if he's, like, trying to hit you with something good to help you out, you're not even going to be able to hear it. Because you're going to have to open your eyes and look. It's going to take you out of the moment. So it's like, you know, unless that's your fetish. If you're, <laughs> I like then, to read my porn. <laughs> what if he just does I mean, like movie clips? I do have a manga called Dick Fight Island. And I just yeah. want you to know I got it given to me as a gag gift. Open it to any page and you are going to laugh. It's so crazy and over the top. Okay. Read if you want, right I can now. give you a little bit more of, of the, the basic scenario. Yeah, what, what's it about? <laughs> okay. Basically, it's an island where people are fighting, and the, uh-huh. clearly, they're fighting with their dicks. But here's the so, thing. Your dick has like a weapon on the end of it, and the fight is to try and get the other person to climax before you. <laughs> what's this called? <laughs> what's it called? Dick Fight Island. <laughs> By Ike Ryboon or something like that. I've got it sitting not far from me right now because we like to just, whenever we're playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Night, just we did it to one of our friends. He was walking in and we had to open. We're like, hey man, have you checked out this new manga? And showed him a picture of some very crazy stuff. So it's like them pinching each other's nipples and very interesting things. You should look it up. I won't go into much more detail. It's a oh, hilarious, it very graphic um, series. Hell fucking yeah, I'm into this. I mean, I haven't read it. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't think that that's what you're into, Chris, but that's okay, buddy. <laughs> hey, man. Basically, there's a bunch of strategy about knowing, getting to know the other people so that you know what they like sexually so that you can exploit that against them. <laughs> it's funny because I've seen Dick Fight Island Volume 2 at my local Barnes & Noble multiple times. And you didn't know what it was? Yeah, I didn't know what I've it was. I've got Volume 1. <laughs> Because it's in, it's one of the, it's one of the mangas that's in um, plastic wrap, so you can't read it in the store. Yeah, I bet that it is. Because if a kid walked in and opened that book, it'd be a whole lot of questions. Just a whole lot of questions. You didn't what? have to read anything visually. You would be confused as a kid. When do I get my penis sword? <laughs> it's pretty wild. But look, going back to the conversation. All yeah. right, we have to we have to come to an answer yeah, for each come. of us. Whoa. So do you So do you <laughs> stick to your fuck Waka, marry Waluigi, kill Tom Nook? Is that what you said? No. Um fuck Waluigi, marry Waka, kill Tom Nook. 
All right, so can we get a reason for each one of these? So why are you fucking Waluigi? Because he's the last option. <laughs> so why are you marrying Wonka? Because he seems like a normal person. Just a regular, everyday normal just guy? A, just a regular old dude. Who wants to play Blitzball constantly. He does. I actually have great reasoning for Tom Nook, though. I would kill Tom Nook because he's rich but he's not rich in terms of what's in a bank. He's rich in terms of things I can steal. So I would kill Tom Nook, steal all his bells, and then I would sell them and be about $50,000 richer in real world money. But if I got to live on the island, because you got to think if, if you're mayor, if you're killing Tom Nook, Tom Nook, you'd have to travel to, the village where you play an animal crossing, which means in this scenario, you could stay. So me and Waka could live in an animal crossing village, thus being rich in bells because we've murdered Tom Nook and become the new mayor. It's like in control. I get you. So you get to live off of the money you got from him. Now, how do you know he carries all of his, all of his bells on him? I don't know. I'd imagine you, you just trust that he does. So then I would just I would just hold him hostage until he does, right? Just keep him in a a maybe a pit and just look at him and be like, oh, oh, he puts the bells in the baskets. <laughs> he puts the fucking bells in the basket. And then I kill him. <laughs> and he's down there. <laughs> you sing it. I just want to see my mother. Yes. <laughs> I just exactly. But it's <laughs> but instead of dots, it's all exclamation points. So that would be it great. puts the Tom Nook in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, Joe Dirt's so good. I love that movie. But also, uh, so so Silence of the Lambs. That's a fucking classic. That's a really good movie. Uh, oh God, just imagining you as Buffalo Bill <laughs> sitting up there. Do that for a uh, Halloween costume this year. Buffalo Bill. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a picture. So there's so many questions though, because like right, if you're putting yourself, so if we put if we put the kill situation through the Buffalo Bill situation, right? If we put it through that yeah. scenario, think of how each one of these would go, right? Mm-hmm. Waka would probably be the closest to the actual Silence of the Lambs story. So he would just be like, hey, man, I want my friends. I want it. You have all that. Waluigi would get equally as annoying. I feel like he would actually be a better, uh, you know, combined to uh, Joe Dirt where he's just annoying you the entire time he's in the hole. (laughs) Wait a minute. Are we implying that you want to wear Tom Nook? (laughs) You want to wear his skin? Yeah, I could always use a new hat. That checks out. He's an animal. Right. See, but here's the thing. If this all takes place in the real world, I feel like Kill is still Tom Nook because... It's the only one that's not illegal. That, but all you have to do is call animal control so you don't even have to kill him yourself. But, yo, I got a rabid raccoon out here. Okay. All right. And just a, a cop busts in the front door, kills the family dog, and then and then goes and gets Tom Nook. <laughs> So, I think I've landed on my answers. Okay, go for it. 
Waka is, like you said, a relatively good-looking normal dude. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I would, I, I would just, I'd fuck him. I would marry Tom Nook because he would be like my own spin on having my own Silent Bob around. But instead of it being Silent Bob that's a mute, he's a dude who just sits there and everything that comes out of his mouth is just... And then there's this little text bubble that comes up. And he has all sorts of wisdom that he can offer to people. Yeah. Um, And then kill Waluigi because he'd be the most annoying one to me, personally. Though I'm going to throw this out there. There was a girl, I think on TikTok, I don't remember at this point, there was a girl who dressed up like a sexy Waluigi and it wasn't entirely not working if I'm, (laughs) if you're catching my drift. (laughs) That's the question, right? Is this one of those like, what's that meme that was going around? The uh, girl puts the crown on and becomes a hot woman. Maybe you just put the crown on Waluigi and she becomes a hot ass tall lanky chick <laughs> someone built like a bow and arrow <laughs> it's the rayman mario rabbits version of waluigi <laughs> i don't know if you've seen that but there's yeah. like rabid versions of all of the mario characters it's pretty interesting yeah that's fair i don't know something about i can't I, me and tom nook's marriage would be sexless because <laughs> I'm not about to do that to a raccoon. I understand that this raccoon is, I, I think he's a raccoon. <laughs> I'm he pretty is. sure it's what he is. Um, he's still an animal. I know that he is smart enough and clearly consenting, consensible, but it makes me too uncomfortable. <laughs> That's <laughs> so fair. I'm just going to, I want to marry him and have him be like my, uh, <laughs> my heterosexual life partner. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's actually a Jay and Silent Bob line. Um, yeah. But yeah, he would just be like, I would quit my job and we'd sit up against a gas station and people would walk by and we'd just, he, he'd be sitting there and I'd talk for him and then he'd be like, and then you see his little text bubble come up. I like that. I think it could like be fun. So Josh, that brings, that brings us to you. We got to know, are you telling us that your order is fuck Tom Nook, marry Waluigi, and kill Waka, or are those just the three candidates and no particular order? Killing killing Waka is absolutely out of the question, I think. Yeah, that, that seems cruel, for being honest. Not even that it seems cruel. Like, I don't care about the cruelty. He's the only one that I would bring home to my family. Could you imagine... <laughs> Could you imagine going to Christmas with Waluigi, the eldritch beast that he is? Oh, dude. Yeah, your parents would be giving you a side eye. They'd be like, who is this random? <laughs> he looks like Cthulhu. <laughs> you're bringing into our Christmas. Right. You're bringing it to our Christmas pictures. Yeah. The only know. good thing about He's Waluigi is that he can sit on the couch across the room and get the presents from under the tree. That's it. <laughs> He's, a <laughs> He's a fucking HP Lovecraft monster. Imagine bringing a talking raccoon <laughs> home to your to your family, <laughs> <laughs> honey. Holy <laughs> 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 shit! Then again, I could also imagine a scenario where every like your parents just your your whole family finds him so charming with his little murp, 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 and every time his little text bubbles comes up, they think it's so novel, and they're like, "Oh, look how cute he is." I guess you could get away with that though, because it would depend. Do you hold on? This is important. Do you have to talk to Tom Nook the same way he has to talk to you? So does he understand English, or do I have to go? <gasps> beep, 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 
Because if that's the case, then I could just tell my parents he's a pet, and he'll never know the difference. <laughs> that's fucked up. He's over here like, he's bringing me to see his family. This is so cool. But hold on. Don't you think he'd be, because your parents would be able to see the text bubble that you see. So he'd he'd be talking as if he was your oh, partner. Oh, see, I assumed that the text bubble would Only be just a me know? thing. Yeah, it's like a mind connection thing. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. All right, well, we have our list there, Josh. We got to get yours. But otherwise, that wraps up episode 291 of this very, very interesting <laughs> show at this point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks to our patrons. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> no, but shout out to our newest patron, Brandon. Uh, I guess I was. I mean, hey, that's what it is on here, but <laughs> Bedwards. 530 Teddy B as he likes to be called. Uh hope you didn't mind me putting your name out there. If so, call me, harass me. I'll I'll do something about it. We have Savoy Prime, Alex, Barry Rogers, Stingray X, It's a Sin to Win, aka Sean, Aztec King, Leechion 69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Christopher, Danny Villobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate. Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, and Steven Salazar. Thanks to each and every one of you. We'll see you next week. Bye.